Welcome back to Ack Attack Podcast. As always, I'm your host, a red convertible on a drive in Dallas, Jay. This is my co-host, a man with three names, Z. How are you today, Z? Doing all right. Why do I have to be the assassin? Well, there's another way to do it. I'm sorry. You go second. I don't. I don't mean to do these things to you. Man, it's good that it's very convenient that all assassins have three names, right? Yeah. Because then you don't got to get them mixed up with normal, you know, respectable folk. Everyday folk. <laughs> respectable individuals. What's the car red? I think it's red. I don't feel like a presidential motorcade would be red. Well, you know, let's. It's not. It's black. Car. You're an idiot. No, no way. It's absolutely a black car. Of course it is. It's a Lincoln. You think he was cruising around what? What? In like a in like a red Chrysler Sebring? Is that what you're picturing, Jack? I swear to God, I thought this car was red. You're a fucking idiot. I I swear to God. Why did I think it was red? It was like a big ass Lincoln, I think. Well, he did drive a Lincoln. That's part of the thing. Where it's like Abraham Lincoln and oh, yeah. JFK. More can you think? He JFK was in a Lincoln and he, he died in J- and Lincoln died in Kennedy Theater or whatever the hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. What a guy that JFK. He ate all that sheet metal. He what? You ever see those memes where <laughs> people take really saturated, like bad photos of JFK and be like, and of uh, his wife, whose name I'm forgetting. Jackie. Jackie. Uh, and be like, man, they they fell in love because they didn't want to eat sheet metal alone. <laughs> they picked really bad photos of them. <laughs> okay. I don't understand. It's just absurd. Like it's just a it's just a nothing joke, or I think it's I I think it's just an absurdity joke. I think, but I might just not be in the know. Yeah, I didn't know. Sh- okay, eat sheet metal, huh? Great. Well, yeah, some lighter topics than presidential assassinations. <laughs> um, we had a, a celebration of sorts this week, Jank. By that I mean literally the Star Wars celebration. Huzzah! The, the yearly convention celebrating all things Star Wars, except for the years when they do D twenty three instead. Uh, this year it was in London. That's fun, right? Oh yeah. Across the pond, our good neighbors to the east. The silly people with bad teeth. It's all right though. They're not, they're not all bad. They get, they get a bit much online though. I gotta say, they don't know how to take a joke. The Brits. I really don't. Hectic lately. Past couple of years, online American British relations are all time low. I think. (laughs) In in the toilet. That's right. Once we figure this, they're taking all our acting jobs. But it can't be stopped. That's the thing. So I think we're kind of even, right? Yeah. You know, they should be able to take a, a joke about their teeth or the way they to say Tuesday. You know, I think that's I do. horrible food that they eat. I think, oh, yeah. They're, they're toast sandwiches and shit. Okay. And they're beans and toast. Shut up. Whatever. That's all right, though. Good for London. So it was in London this year. Four days long. All the Star Wars goodies you could imagine. Um, we didn't go, unfortunately. You know, no, we couldn't. Tied up with other. Prior obligations, like having no money. Yeah, that's a, that was the biggest one, really. Yeah. yeah, they called and they said, "Zach, you haven't had any money. Can you can you be there?" And I was like, "I'll be there for having no money." You're right. And then so yeah. the Star Celebration called up and I said, "Oh, sorry, I'm already, I'm already all booked up, not having any money." And they said, "Well, we understand. We understand. We'll get you next year when we're in Japan." And you went, uh, "Most likely not." Oh no, twenty twenty five in Japan. Boiled it, Jack. That was going to be the end of the oh. ep reveal. My God. Oh. Oops. So, Can't tell the one of the first things we got uh, announcement-wise, because that's what this has become, right? More or less, a lot of ways. It's about the announcements, yeah. you know, and the fan interactions, you know. I mean, the people who are there got to interact with each other. We didn't get to do that, though. So for us, it's announcements. No. Although, I will say, I mean, without looking too deep into it or having been there myself, I did see there's a bit of people are somewhat disappointed, I think, by the uh, 
in-person stuff this year. Really? In the past couple of years, I think because of COVID, maybe they've moved to a lottery system for the panels, which is good and bad because it means you don't have to wait in line for panels. But it also means that you can't wait in line for panels if you want. So there's no guaranteed way you get into any of these. So some people like applied for all these lotteries to get in, and then they just didn't get into any of them because that's just how the lottery works. Yeah. And so that kind of sucks. And then I think maybe some of the in-person stuff, like there wasn't as much to do wandering about maybe. Yeah. seems like it's you kind of got to know people or at least maybe at least be social there and be willing to meet people, which is so, somewhat of the worry for me. Like if we actually did want to go or something, right? So yeah. I don't know any people. I tweet it. I people. think we could. Do they know me? Would they rec- If I went up and I was like, hey, it's me from Twitter. They'd be like, who the fuck are you? Get out of here. God, get, you maniac. Get away from me. We need to make internet friends, Jack. We do. Star Wars internet friends. But anyways, uh, big stuff for us announcements. So Announced, uh, there's the three movies talked about, Jack, which you probably could oh, guess, yeah. right? Three movies, that sounds familiar. So it's probably the, yeah. you know. The sequel, sequel trilogy. No, well, they never announced that. <laughs> yeah. You know, the ones we talked about, Jack, good old Rogue Squadron and. Right, oh, yeah, Rogue Squadron, can't wait, uh, the Taika Waititi one, mm-hmm. and um, the first one of the um, Ryan Johnson trilogy. Oh, yeah, Ryan Johnson. Oh, yeah. And then, uh, what's his name? Kevin Feige. Kevin his Feige. movie, right? Yeah. Actually, yeah. no. You'd be mistaken. Not Not one of those. (laughs) You're right. You're right. You know what was mentioned? It was it was the third movie in the solo trilogy. That's correct. The second and third movie in the solo trilogy. Right. Right. It was actually got delayed because of COVID. All three movies. It was solo two through four. Oh, what what a fun time it was. We all were like, these these are gonna be great movies because. Oh, hold on. I'm getting word. Actually, nobody saw Solo because nobody would give it a chance because Star Wars fans are the worst. Oh, it was just you and I. Yeah, just you and I who, who very much enjoyed Solo and actually watched it because we're like, well, maybe we'll give the movie a chance. And what do you know? They tried. It's a great film. It's so good. I'm like, I got to watch it again sometime because <laughs> I love it so much. It's the second best movie. Second best, huh? Hmm? Rogue One's the best. I'll say it once. I'll say it again. Rogue One and Solo be your best two Star Wars movies. That just doesn't work. Yes, it does. It works so well. Whatever. Shut up. So the joke we're making, yeah, is that those aren't those are all dead in the water to varying degrees. <laughs> So we just got three brand new announcements for movies, which is cool, I guess. It'd be nice if one of these ever came out, you know? I would be a lot more excited if if any of these were, like, happened. Because I was like, oh, man, I can't wait for Taika Waititi in 2024, and we're getting a... Well, I won't spoil what we're talking about. And, and another one? Wow, so many movies. Not just like, well, here's another one they might never make. <laughs> exactly. they, wrote, they, wrote a, they wrote a title on a fucking Word document, and that's all they've got. That's all they got. Oh, look it. It says Star Wars in a goofy font, and it's going to be Taika Waititi. Cool. Cool. Thanks, man. Whatever. <laughs> why, don't you, why don't you go fix Thor, 5, Thor 4, please? Jesus. So in a, we'll do them in timeline order here. The three movies that are being talked about are, first and foremost, we have James Mangold, who is doing, you know, indie this year, is doing mm-hmm. a Dawn of the Jedi movie, um, which is presumably going to be about the, you know, Dawn of the Jedi, like the beginning of oh, yeah. of uh, how that all came to be. You know, it's it's an era that's been explored in like comics and stuff, which I believe there was a comic series called Dawn of the Jedi. I'm pretty sure. I would hope. And uh, probably books and shit, too. You know how it goes. Oh, yeah. Tons of books. I imagine. I think even the old Tales of the Jedi comics explored like their very early days like this kind of stuff, too. So, mm. yeah, should be cool. I don't think we have much else about it, really. Yeah, I like that they're going, they're doing what I finally want, because I know I've been saying, it's just like, go stop doing the, within the three, the the three, the nine movies, just go somewhere else and 
going as far back as that, I think is great. This is way off, right? Like, I mean, it should be oh, unrecognizable yeah. almost. Other than like 25,000 years. Yeah, the Jedi, which is like cool. Like, that's what I, because I always said that I do think the Force often has to be pretty involved because that's one of the most distinctive parts of Star Wars. And so if you get, if you get too far out, because I know people say we should have more stories without Force users and we should have more stories in different sort of eras. And I agree with that for the most part, but. I would be cautious about a series or, or a story that was too far outside of the timeline and didn't have force mm. users because I feel like you start to lose some of it, the identity of like what Star Wars is, right? Yeah, you kind of need one or the other. So, uh, yeah. yeah, a story about the Jedi way in the past is cool. Love the Jedi. I mean, that's my favorite kind of thing most of the time. It's like the Jedi stuff. So, super cool. And, uh, oh, yeah, Angle's probably pretty good. I don't know. He knows what he's doing, it seems like. He's got a head they on his shoulders. So I think he'd probably do a good job. But again, oh, I yeah. know anything about anything else. They're probably going to call him the Jedi, Jack. That's how it goes. Or they're called the Jedi. It's like J-E-D apostrophe A-I-I. The Jedi. Mm. That's good, huh? Yeah, that's, 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 that's typical for old time, old old way of saying a thing. Apostrophe, a couple of vowels. Such a rotten course. So the next movie is uh, Dave Filoni helmed uh, sort of Mandalorian culmination movie of some kind. And by that I mean like the whole kind of this whole kind of era, which we've I think I've called it the Mandoverse a couple times. I think that's a common yeah. use like phrase for it. There's not really an official term for whatever it is, but that that kind of idea, like Ahsoka, this, the Rangers of the New Republic show that they aren't making. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe. Skeleton crew? Is that in that later? Uh, I really don't know. I don't know what Skeleton crew takes place. I don't remember either. It's this, yeah, yeah, same time frame as the Mandalorian and its interconnected spinoffs. So there you go. So probably Skeleton crew too. Um, all culminating in an actual uh, feature film, which I think is cool. I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, if five seasons in a movie or whatever, you get it. Oh yeah, I've seen Community. That's kind of fun. Like, uh, I mean, I do think there's sometimes it can be kind of perilous. Or not, I don't know. Because I know there's been like this idea with all kind of series in the past where it's like, well, why don't they do a movie at the end? But I don't know. Sometimes it almost can feel like a step back because when you're talking about a TV show, which has like multiple seasons of many episodes apiece, a movie is like much smaller in scale in a lot of ways. Yeah, you can't do as much. You got to be very careful about it. But I sure they know what they're doing, you know? Mm. But like a two hour movie to like wrap up the plot threads of like four different shows feels like it could be. A little questionable. I don't know. That's just me. Yeah, I definitely have my own reservations about it. It's like, where, what, what do they even look like? I guess we'd have to watch the rest of this season and next season and Ahsoka to figure that out. This is this one in particular is like potentially years and years away. Mm -hmm. I think they mentioned it also at Celebration that like the Mandalorian has like four or five seasons, maybe like what mapped out still. Like this could be another four or five years away at least. Um, oh yeah. And we don't even know how many seasons Ahsoka might get and whatever else they have planned. But um, I do like the idea. I mean, as much as these shows are cool, there is very much something about like the, the live, the full on cinematic versions, right? Like the not, none yeah. of them have been able to quite capture the, uh, you know, the gravity of like an actual film yet. Even like, you know, they, they all have their moments. Don't get me wrong. But, um, you know, they also, all of these shows have their moments where they seem like TV shows, I guess. Oh, yeah, very much so. Which is fine. I mean, it's what yeah. they are. But obviously, you know, the new generation of Star Wars movies are so, like, they all look great. Like, there's That's one thing you can't take away from them. 
they feel very oh yeah totally um, awesome so could be cool especially if it culminates in some kind of large battle like people are theorizing which we'll talk about later it, it could work i think mm-hmm. um all right so then the final one is a post sequel trilogy story which we've heard rumors about for a while now i don't think we ever talked about it on here just because it was quite unsubstantiated up till now mm-hmm. but uh now we obviously have the official stuff here it's it's going to be a ray movie uh taking 15 15 years after the rise of skywalker where she has uh made her own jedi order um mm-hmm. and i think that's basically it that, that kind of summaries most of what we got we know daisy risley of course is returning um i don't think we've heard any other cast but everyone of course is holding out for finn right which would make a lot of sense oh, yeah, totally. uh, because he should be a jedi himself at this point um frankly 15 years would like he should just be also very much like a master i would think so i would say so and should be should be cool yeah and we should have like that ideally i i would like there to be a pretty large cast of jedi Mm -hmm. really like none of this like oh we're still just getting off our feet kind of thing like i would appreciate it if it was just tons of guys really because we've had enough of the jedi being all like fledgling and like oh we're on the back foot so they're always on the back foot every time they blink so it'd be nice if they were just back and, and pretty strong. Hmm. And uh, again, we haven't heard anything else, but if we're going to rampantly speculate, Jack, just wildly, you know what I'm going to advocate for, Jack? Kylo Ren Ghost? Kylo Ren Ghost. I got two ideas for this for this movie. Okay. Actually, and I will fully concede, there's been a lot of discussion this week with all the different trailers and announcements and, and people with their ideas of like, can Star Wars fans just like come up with original ideas? And the answer is usually no. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm aware that I'm playing into that to a certain extent with this, but of course, also my but acknowledging is better than not acknowledging. Yes, it. Both of my ideas are a little derivative, but it would be like almost like an Indiana Jones esque adventure is how I imagine it, where like we she's like traveling the galaxy looking for like an artifact or relics or knowledge of some kind, arcane knowledge with which we can mm-hmm. bring Kylo Ren back from the dead, <laughs> just completely. No, not like a force right, ghost. Of course. He's there in the flesh. And so we get these back and solo back. I would like that. <laughs> or I would like the lost tribe of the Sith is the threat that emerges to threaten Ray's new, new Jedi, which is a concept I've touched on before. Right. I think we've talked about both those concepts before. I think we've uh, like, Ooh, from the episode and now he's dead. I believe whatever number that is. We talked, we talked about, I think you talked about that. Ex- the same, um, uh, instead of a movie, a race show where she goes around finding artifacts with like a Ben solo ghost. And at the end, he comes back to life. Um, but as a movie, I, I mean, yeah. I'd be down for that. I think I'd be more down to Lost Tribe of the Sith because then people would complain less and I wouldn't have to listen to him. Yeah. But hey, I'd take Adam Driver back. I love Adam Driver. Yeah, He's great. I'd be willing to take it. Yeah, that's the thing, I guess. Is that like, it would be a bit absurd. for st- Like, that that's a bridge farther than we've ever seen in Star Wars. It's just completely bringing a character back from the dead. But I don't care. I'm okay with it. Yeah, it's fair. You know, we've gone, we've gone what, 40, 45, 50 years without doing it? I think, you know, we're old one. Yeah. Well, I mean, when we do it for, with all kind of like clones or whatever the fuck, maybe do a clone. Who knows? You know, get him back in there. Yeah. Um, I'm sure, the Bad Batch season three will explain it, and then it'll be like, and yeah, we can do. Them, but we perfected the clone and whatever. Yeah. See. But uh, yeah, the Lost Tribe of the Sith is this idea that during the Jedi Sith Wars, like a thousands of years ago, a uh, Sith warship crashed on this planet that was like not um, spacefaring yet and didn't really have the resources to become so, and so they just get stuck there. Because they can't contact anyone, I guess, for you know whatever contrived plot reasons. So yeah. there's a bunch of Sith, and they're there, and they're just chilling, and they're like powerful enough to conquer the whole planet, basically, and like rule over them. But 
they can't really get away. And so they just live there and build their little Sith society for like thousands of years until by whatever other plot contrivance, um, they're able to get off. In Legends, it was in the um, Fate of the Jedi series, which is like, a eh, I don't know how most people receive it, although I think it's kind of like an iffy series. And I, I think the concept of it was squandered a bit because in that series, they weren't the main enemy. And there's kind of like a tenuous alliance thing, which is mm. kind of dumb because they're the Sith. <laughs> yeah, they're the evil ones. So I guess I would like it more. But again, I, I recognize that that's kind of obviously very much derivative of a Legends books or, you know, series that they already wrote. And also just the idea that, like, does it always have to be the Sith? Um, which I understand mm. is a complaint as well. But at the same time, you know, you kind of need bad force users to be the opponent. You get to bounce it yeah. out. Because whenever people are like, well, why do we need Sith? Why can't we just do... And it's like, what? Do you want Rey and her Jedi to beat up a bunch of pirates? Like, I don't I don't know. But yeah, this is... To me, this is a very cool movie. And I... Oh, yeah. I, again, I recognize that even as a concept, it's like, well, we're just using more characters. We're just going into the future a little bit with them. But I don't fucking care. You could see more yo lightsaber action. I'm all for it. I love the yo lightsaber. Should have had the whole movie. Should have had all episode nine. The whole movie, really. But the whole, the whole movie. Like I understand this isn't as original as like this Dawn of the Jedi one, but I'm on board for it. And people love Ray, despite what like uh, the really annoying people online will tell you. She really is like a beloved character, and like yeah. it means a lot to you know a lot, a of, lot of young girl fans who got into Star Wars because of Ray. Like. So that's the thing that people just never appreciate when they're getting all mad online. It's like, especially now, like the, you know, the force awakens came out like eight years ago. Like there's people who are like young adults, teenagers, teenagers now who were yeah. young children when that movie came out and it would have had a big impact on them. So that's what it's all about, baby. That's what I always say. I mean, yeah, we weren't even that old when that movie came out. That's the thing, isn't it? So yeah. I, I consider like, yeah, the, the sequels to be like significant in my life. My my Star Wars fandom. I always say that The Force Awakens is like the most excited I've ever been for a movie ever. Like it just consumed my life for several months, just being like so ecstatic about this movie coming out. Like every day, I, like I watched that trailer, God knows how many times, just be like, "Look at it, look at it all. It's so <laughs> glorious." Han Solo says it's real. All of it. No, it is real. It's real. He's right. So I hope he lives. Yeah. Well, can't can't win. Can't win them all. All right. Uh, on to the shows, Jack. Perfect. So lots of shows were discussed in, in varying degrees. Uh, I don't think we had any new television shows actually announced. Um, unless I'm missing something. Wouldn't it, oh, I guess, yeah, not new ones. You're right. But all the other shows we knew about were expanded upon in fun ways. So Ahsoka is probably the most notable one because we actually got our first trailer for it. Because it's coming right. out in only a couple months now. August. Which is cool. Always love that. We're coming up right on it. Very quick. It makes sense. I mean, again, with the density of Star Wars stuff now, it's like, well, we're still watching The Mandalorian. We don't really need to preload the marketing too much. May as well just wait a little. So that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, Man, a lot to discuss here. Even though it's kind of teasery, you know, it's pretty yeah. brief, and there's not a lot of plot stuff in it. There's still a lot to go off of. A lot to sink our teeth into. So the big thing, I guess, is all the appearances we've gotten in this one, right? Of uh of existing characters making their live action debuts, mm-hmm. or well, yeah, no, there's like three of those. So basically, when we've kind of known this for a while, but this show is seeming more or less like it's going to be a sequel to Star Wars Rebels, right? Mm-hmm, of course, which people got all kinds of thoughts of this week. Um, which I kind of I definitely see both sides of. 
to a degree because I and I and I did long hold the opinion that like why wouldn't the Star Wars Rebels sequel just be another animated series, right? Yeah, one would think. One would think because you have Rebels, which was itself more or less a sequel to the Clone Wars. Why would the sequel to it not be? You know, these characters all originated in animation. That's like kind of their main thing. Like, it, mm-hmm. so I get it. Right, I do get it. And I have some of those same feelings myself. And you know, obviously, if they had done so, you avoid any kind of complaints about recasts or anything because you don't have to recast them. Yeah, of course. So I get it because you know, on the one hand, it's going to feel a little jarring at times, probably. You know, like there's going to be a, a certain disconnect between rebels and this show even though they're meant to be the same exact characters because we have different actors and stuff but i also think that because it's part of this larger thing with the mandalorian and all this stuff and that it's going to culminate in this live action sort of thing that Mm -hmm. probably was more important to keep that continuity so i don't know it's kind of tough like i said i get both sides of it but i think probably keeping continuity with the other shows was more important than keeping continuity with rebels in that way because it'd be right. weirder if this show was animated and then we just had characters jumping from this show into the other shows. Again, especially because they're all meant to take place in this same same timeline. They're all building towards the same kind of climax. To just be like, right. I'm a cartoon. Now I'm here. Now I'm live action. What am I? What? Oh. Now I'm going back and forth and got to watch everything. And it's like, oh, geez. I think it probably makes sense. As much as, again, I have some of those same feelings. I think it'll it'll probably be all right, all things considered, you know? That's Star Wars. Yeah. And I, there's, you know, some discussion about that where people are like, Star Wars fans are like the only people who expect this. Like, it's kind of a weird thing where Star Wars fans expect uh, the, the voice actors to reprise their rise, their roles in live action when that's not really a thing that happens. Yeah. Which I get, right? That's fair uh, to a certain extent. But I also think there's other things to consider with Star Wars. One, that like a lot of the voice actors are stage act- or uh, screen actors anyways, right? Yeah. It's the thing that doesn't happen with other things necessarily. Um, I guess the other thing is that because Star Wars, it's not strictly like an adaptation, right? Yeah, yeah, it's just it's like a continuation of just a larger universe. These characters aren't meant to be reimagined and like redone for a new story or a new audience. It's just the same guy. So when it's like, if it's supposed to be the exact same person, why wouldn't it? You know, why wouldn't they sound the same kind of thing? So I yeah, and if you use that actor, he'll it'll keep all like nothing will be lost. Yeah. So I, I understand that to a degree. I also understand why they don't do it, but I, I think it's all kind of fair. There's valid ideas at play here on all sides, Jack. That's what I say. But anyways, mm-hmm. actually talking about them specifically, we got Sabine Wren. It's the first one we see who is being portrayed by, I think it's Natasha Liu Bordizio, um, who we'd known about her for a good long while. I think we might have even mentioned her on the show when that news I think we might have. I think there was like a news segment where they, were, they announced a bunch of when they were first starting rumblings that it might be like a rebels yeah, connected thing. We talked about her, and it that's her. Um, I don't know if I've ever seen her in like anything personally, to be honest with you. I don't think so either. She's Australian. Oh, good old Aussie. She's of like uh, I think Chinese and Italian descent, so that's fun. So I guess yeah. she have a she might speak with an Australian accent. And I didn't realize that until just now. That'd be pretty good. A little bit of. <laughs> But I mean, I'm sure for the show, she won't. I'm just saying in, in interviews yeah. and stuff. It'll be one of those moments where people are like, I had no clue. I didn't know the whole time. Oh, my goodness. Where someone's like, Tom Holland's British. Yeah, man. What? Yeah, well, use the internet. Look him up. There's like a million of those. Who's the one? No, I'm, I can't think of it. Christian Bale. Christian Bale. Whatever. There's one recently where I saw it and someone was like, I didn't even know. It's like, what? They've been a pop. It was like some actor where I'm like, this guy's been around forever. He's not like a new up and coming dude. You've never seen him in an interview before. Are you even crazy? Whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like I said, I don't think... I mean, I'm looking at it here, and none of these are really 
Choosing guns akimbo. That's the one where Daniel Radcliffe has guns like taped to his hand. You seen that one? Uh, I don't know. I have not seen that one. You're familiar though, right? The name sounds familiar, yes. But yeah, I don't know. So, got nothing. But she should be cool. Oh, yeah. Um, she's living on Lothal like she is at the end of Rebels, which is cool. There's actually some shots on this that are like pretty much directly taken from the Rebels epilogue. So, we're basically picking up right there, which makes sense. Um, yeah. I remember I had theorized that like maybe she'd show up in this season of The Mandalorian. Uh, I had thought that like yes, we were. Remember that? Yeah. I was basing that off the idea that we are past the Rebels epilogue, basically. That like Ahsoka had already picked her up and was like, they're out there on the hunt. But that's not what we see here. It, it shows literally, like I said, the scene from the epilogue where uh, Ahsoka rolls up to like be like, all right, let's go. <laughs> Let's go find the, the boy. Um, but then we see Hera, who is indeed, uh, fuck, what's her name? Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who she'd also been rumored as being cast. And uh, the rumor was she was Hera, and she is. So that's cool. Oh, look at that. She's good. I have seen her in many things. So what do you think of Mary Elizabeth Winstead? Pretty good. Good enough, I'd say. Big Fargo guy? Not seen Fargo. Over or the, the movie or the TV show. I'll see it eventually, Big though. Birds of Prey guy? I'm putting all of I'm not... Uh, Harley Quinn one? Yep. I've not seen it either. Not haven't got a chance. Gemini Man guy? Not seen Gemini Man either. You big Scott Pilgrim guy, right? I have seen Scott Pilgrim. That's when I have seen. There we go. Fourth times a gem on the flowers. So that's cool too. Good for her. Good for yeah. I don't know. We don't hear any of them talk, so it's really just kind of like for the nerds to be like, there they are. <laughs> oh my fucking god! And everyone who's like, what? Who are these people? Uh, we also saw Ezra as a little hologram guy. Um, his actor is uh, Aman Esfandi, I guess, who also the rumor was for a while now. And that seems to be him as a little hologram boy. Oh, yeah. So first of being to be loves him. That kind of is how it, I feel like could be what they're implying. That's what I think. That's what you think, Jack. Big, big Rebels guy you are? Seen all the Rebels that you've seen? Fucking idiot. Massive Rebels guy. Dumbass. Watch every episode. They kind of have a fun dynamic where I think for most of the show, he's kind of pining over her especially because she's like older it's like a bit of a you know boyhood crush kind of thing but then as he gets older and like matures it's like a more even-sided kind of thing mm-hmm. and then by the end it's like maybe there really is something there but that's when he well that's when he goes isn't it that's when he goes away with someone else a, a certain blue-skinned that's friend right. of ours so it's kind of like um i don't know tragic in that way almost it's like a sad kind of thing yeah, right it starts it ends kind of thing which is kind of fun so it's a bit of a will they won't they and now that now she's going to be like, oh, I'm going to find him and then we'll see. Uh, but then, as you alluded to, Jack, we also get Thrawn as the other big one. So when this trailer came out, we weren't quite sure because you only see the back of his head in this one. Um, right. Those lucky ducks at Celebration got to see his actual face. But in um, and it and it turns out it is, in fact, uh, Lars Mikkelsen, who people have been hoping for and speculating for forever. But uh it is. And so this is an example, obviously, where they did use the live action or the, the voice actor guy on live action. So clearly it can work, right? Yeah, they can get it. Um, especially because like to. you just got to be a dude. Thrawn's just like, I mean, when you paint him up blue and everything anyways, what's the difference, right? <laughs> yeah, who can even tell? You just need the presence. And he's got the presence to the to that max. So, you know, he's, he's, Absolutely. The, he's the guy. Um, also, a couple notables in this. We get uh, Mon Mothma, which is very fun. Yes. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, Could have her back. Fuck, what's her name? Uh, her name is Guinevere O'Reilly. Yeah, I just pulled the cast list. Stuff. Um, which is funny. Also next to her is Kaz's dad from Star Wars Resistance. So that's a fun animation reference too. 
he dies when the first order blows up Hosnian Prime. <laughs> oh, bit of a shame. But yeah, what are you gonna do? It's cool. I think this is funny because it's like I don't know. It's just funny to have Genevieve O'Reilly go from Andor to this. Not that this is gonna be bad. <laughs> yeah. but it's just opposite ends of the Star Wars spectrum, really, right? Oh, yeah. One is a very grounded, not a lot of like connective tissue, not a lot of like oh well references, and this is just a Dave Filoni show of the Soka. all the references and all the characters ever. Yeah. <laughs> so hope they make good use of her though. She's gonna be like uh she would be the Chancellor, maybe? I don't know if they still use that term. She's the head of the New Republic though, at this point, I think. So that's cool. Knows what she's doing. Um what else we got in this? Oh, the bad guys, right? So yeah. we have Ray Stevenson as one of them. Uh, as it's, it's, it says his name is Bylon Skull. Good enough. Bylon Skull. Sure. Um, that's yeah. cool. Ray Stevenson's fun. He was in uh, the Clone Wars and Rebels as Gar Saxon, the voice of Gar Saxon, and we have him over, which is fun. But he's a different oh, yeah. role, Jack. That happens sometimes too. Oh, they get they get to diversify their portfolio. And then we have another, the other character whose name is like shit. Do you got it there? I do. The, uh, the other character's name or the other actress's name? Both. Okay, so the other villain is uh, Shin uh, Haiti is the character's name, and she is portrayed by Ivana Skahona. Uh, Skahono? Sakno, maybe? Sakno? S-A-K-H-N-O. Sakno. Shin Haiti, yeah. Cool. So they are like some kind of lightsaber-wielding dudes. Um, yeah, strange. They got unique lightsabers. Yeah, so this, is, this was notable talked about a bit and dave filoni actually kind of alluded to this that there's something different about them so people at first were like look they can't even disney can't even make lightsabers right anymore <laughs> which is i hate when people do this people forget how shows work and it's like huh, maybe there's a reason they're different guys come and on there is it turns out he says there's a reason they're different so yes, of course because of course there's gonna be a reason <laughs> going on with them as to why they look like that uh so yeah oh no we do hear, see Hera say one thing. She says, we have to prepare for the worst. I forgot. My bad. Um, we also see an Inquisitor at a couple points throughout this trailer who seems to be distinct to two of them because they've got the actual double blade and it's the more of the red and stuff. Um, but yeah, a deep red. Yeah. So it's, it's hard to know, though. Like, I think you could almost I think you could argue that that is a flashback, perhaps maybe a different Inquisitor she was fighting because. By this point in the timeline, there should not be any left. They're all dead, right? I mean, they all die before yeah, the movies start. So, yeah. Soka helps kill like the last couple. <laughs> so, yeah, she cleans house. Soka gets like four of them or something total. Damn. If if not more from, I mean, she's, I mean, Soka's a bad They're chumps. They, well, they really are chumps and she's quite good. So, yeah, because all, all those guys are, aren't they like, most of them were Padawan. Like Padawan and shit. And they don't. Good. The Empire doesn't train them up too good because then they're like a threat. So, like, they're not proper Sith. Yeah. They're just kind of like, uh, I, I guess you could almost say acolytes. Pseudo Sith. But uh, it also kind of looks like this guy could be one of the known Inquisitors um, based off his helmet. He kind of looks like the seventh brother, I think. So, mm -hmm. it could be that. Like I said, it could be a flashback or it could be a, I don't know, he just popped off from somewhere. Who knows? Mm -hmm. uh, the big thing a lot of people liked is that. Um, Ahsoka says, what exactly does she say? She says, like, that Thrawn has returned as heir to the Empire, right? She, started she says, I started hearing whispers about Thrawn's return as heir to the Empire. And this is notable for people because uh, that's a book about this. You read this? Uh, I think you mentioned it to me. So there's a Thrawn trilogy, which is like the, I don't know, I guess you'd say it's like the kind of definitive 
Legends books, really Star Wars books for a lot of people, right? Um, people consider it a pretty good starting off point for if you want to get into Star Wars books for the longest time. I mean, less so now because they're part of Legends, but a lot of mm. people's favorite books, um, really some of the best ones. And they're about Thrawn and uh, how he rolls up and starts to kind of like get the Empire back in line and, and really uh, wrecks house for a bit there. And the first one's called Heir to the Empire. And that's, you know. That's kind of it's more or less what he is, is the idea is that he comes back and everyone's like, oh, Thrawn, he's the last Grand Admiral. And he's like, well, he's really competent. So the other Imperials are like willing to follow him and everyone flocks to him. And it's a it's a real problem. And so people are like, oh, my God, they're adapting here to the Empire. I don't think that's probably what's happening here. Mm. Um, but I think there's going to be some shades of that. And we'll talk about this later when we get to the Mandalorian. But there's definitely some stuff going on with that. Should be cool. I don't think it'll be a one-to-one adaptation by any means. I think anyone expecting that will be disappointed. <laughs> oh, definitely. Um, you know, because Heir to the Empire's got a lot going on. I mean, that trilogy in particular, like it has obviously the main three as as the the central cast to it, right? On Luke and Leia, which I don't know. Maybe they'll show up eventually. I think there's like a possibility of that, especially because we've already had Luke, right? Um, yeah, but I can't imagine they'll play central roles in any of this, even in like the movie. If they get, if that's what the movie ends up kind of being, just because, like, I don't know, I don't think they should have the the AI people <laughs> be like substantial roles in an actual film. But right, maybe that's just me. Not that they would. I agree. So yeah, this could be cool though. I mean, that's also the book series that introduces Mara Jade. You know, every every Legends dude loves her. So I don't think that'll happen, but you never know. I guess. <laughs> I I also think it makes a lot of sense that like I think it's fair to say that perhaps legends focus too heavily on them that like these three people were central to everything and anything that happened in the galaxy for you know four decades straight right yeah every movie on they were just at the core of everything Lucan and Leia like I think it makes sense that they kind of fall into their respective kind of lives like we know that luke largely at pretty much almost immediately after return of the jedi goes goes off the grid for like years and just explores the guy Mm -hmm. who learns about the force right like immediately he's not he doesn't help out in like the final year of the war he's not like rolling up and and fighting the the sith or the uh imperial remnant he just leaves he's like well guys i killed the emperor mostly so yeah i do really the legwork of all this you guys can do the scrap head out And then it's like, what's Han Solo going to do, right? I mean, realistically, he was a general, I guess, mm-hmm. but not really. <laughs> he was a general and like, oh, you helped out the first time. So, yeah, I think it makes sense. He can get out. And then Leia's going to be like a politician, right? She, I mean, she decides to not be a Jedi. She's like, I, I'm more useful to the galaxy as a, as a politician. So why shouldn't she be like, wh- she's going to just be like, all right, guys, and then I'll come back and fight. <laughs> like, no, that's not her, her jam. No. So I think it kind of would also make sense if if they didn't really have a role but uh yeah man ahsoka looks cool should be exciting yeah you've only so you've got about you know three and a half months now jack to uh catch up on that star wars rebels uh, how, i'll gotta look up how long it takes, it takes to watch rebels and that's how and that's what and i'll start <laughs> just just when that the uh the binge clock it's yeah. like if you watch the whole show back to back to back it's like three hours and ten minutes or something or three days and whatever and then you're just gonna just then just forego sleep yeah, just and then. all responsibilities for a couple days straight. Okay, it makes sense. Yeah, that seems... I'll do, I'll do, a, I'll do it right now. Seems Let's reasonable, see. Jack. It's called Binge Clock is the one I've always used. Star Wars Rebels. Let's see. Oh, only one day, 10 hours and 30 minutes? No, it's not a super long show. They're 20 minutes well, each. I've said this to you so many times. 
You'd be that's you'd easy. Watch money. it many many times over. I'm I'm probably watch it all again too. So we can do it together. Jack. It'll be fun. We'll see how many times good time. watch it before you finish. Probably infinite. Also, we have the return of Hu Yang, who is the the uh, droid who helps you build your lightsabers. He's like a thousand years. Old. David Tennant. David Tennant. Look at that. What a guy. Isn't he fun? So now David Tennant's in Star Wars too. Well, I mean, he was already he was already in Star Wars, but now he's in live action too. I guess good for him. All right. It's been a while on that. Let's move down the next ones, which there's much less substance to. Yeah. We have Acolyte. Um, this show we did not get any anything from, but the people at Celebration did. Uh, it's coming out next year. It's by Leslie Headland. Um, it's starring uh, Amanda Stenberg, I guess. Yes, I think she was there. She was at she was at Celebration, so that's cool. Um, she is going to be portraying the uh antagonist and 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 uh protagonist i think she's both no uh she's who were like separated at birth and one of them became a jedi and one of them became a sith i think oh very cool so that's cool uh we also have like a number of returning characters from different high republic properties which is cool um including amiri allen who seems to be living for like hundreds of years which is weird but you know whatever Hmm. i don't judge yeah. Um, Carrie Ann Moss is going to be a Jedi. A lot of this cast is Jedi, which is cool because I like the idea of seeing lots of Jedi. You think about like we had not actually seen that in any of the shows yet. Um, an era where like there's just Jedi running around, right? They've all taken place in like the you know post Empire, yeah, kind of time frame. So it'll be cool to just have one from like way back in the day when the Jedi were all just kicking. Um, and they were like still good. Oh yeah, yeah. This is their the height of their powers, like when they were in the height of their kind of goodness like they really were at their peak that's like the whole point of this era mm. so it'll be cool to see him um jonas sotomo who was chewbacca in the sequels and Ooh. solo and stuff he is going to be a wookiee jedi in this which is cool oh that's sick he's not going to be the wookiee jedi from the other high republic stuff which is weird but oh. Oh, i know well, there's more than one wookiee jedi i, I guess. guess so it just seemed like when i heard that i was like oh he's going to be the guy from the books but he's not but that's okay. Maybe that guy dies or something. Who knows? Those books aren't done Ooh. yet, so they could kill the nice, friendly Wookiee Jedi. They they love doing that's that. It's all sad. But yeah, should be cool. Should be a good one. I mean, everyone... I've never seen Russian Doll, but that was her last show, and everyone loved that. And, like, you know, she could be bringing that sort of level of polish to Star Wars, which would be nice, right? Well, you know, she's not one of these guys who's just like, I love Star Wars, and I'm just going to make a Star Wars thing, which isn't bad either, but... More of a Tony Gilroy more approach. Of a, more of a Tony Gilroy approach, exactly, Jack. Which we can also very much we, appreciate. Oh, we appreciate it very much. Um, they also showed footage of some description from Andor Season 2. You know, while nice. speaking on it. Uh, which, yeah, I mean, we knew all that. That's not... This is one of the least <laughs> revealing reveals, yes. right? Uh, they're making Andor 2, so... <laughs> they c- officially confirmed, I guess, that every three episodes is going to have a year jump between them, so... The first three episodes oh. will be taking place a year after the season finale, and then it'll be a year and a year and a year until we're right up until the end of, uh, we're right up against the beginning of Rogue One. So very nice. Love seeing those guys. Tony Giroy and, Hoping it. and, uh, Jago Luna were both there. Lots of good stuff to say. Very cool. Incredible. I hope it, I hope the season two ends right where the casting begins in Rogue One. Where he shoots that guy in that alley. Yeah. And that's what he's about. That's kind of the vibe. He, I mean, he started his show by shooting a guy in an alley. Yep. He loves it. <laughs> <laughs> it's his favorite thing. He loves it so much. Um, and then Skeleton Crew also got 
a look at Celebration. I don't know exactly what was shown. I didn't look into it much, but uh, it was there. Again, that, I guess, takes place in the same kind of era, so it'll tie in probably. We really still don't know much about this show. Um, Jude Law was there, I guess. <laughs> he was in it. That was a fun time with Jude Law. It's probably a Jedi of some kind, maybe. Or like a surviving Jedi. Or like, I don't know. Maybe he th- maybe he's like a... I still think he's probably going to be like evil, though. Like he'll be the yeah, secretly evil. He'll be kind of crazy Jedi. He could be like a tr- crazy Jedi, or he's like a bat, like a dark side guy who tricks them into. Because it's about like kids, right? I said mm-hmm. the whole time it's going to be like an Amblin esque, like hey, we're kids on an adventure. So my theory is that like the kids will be like, oh, hey, Mister, you seem nice, but then he's not actually going to be nice. He's like, oh no, you weren't nice at all, Mister, and he's like, no, it's me, Jude Law. <laughs> I'm evil. You get it? So probably late, uh, very late this year. Because Ahsoka is not starting till August, so that'll take us into like fall, right? So it'll probably be like, a, if we assume a little bit more of a buffer of a month or two, probably like December, November, December, maybe. So probably late this year into the into next year for Skeleton Crew, but it's coming. Uh, and it also showed off the cast, I guess. So I don't know who they all are, but okay, we got goddamn dude, these people's names. It's hard to say a name when you just read it. Just read from right there. Oh, so yeah. We got Ravi Cabot Conyers, who was in Encanto. Kriana Crowder, something like that, who was in who was on Bunked. I think it's a Disney show. Look at that. Robert Timothy Robert Timothy Smith. That's an easy one. He was in Dear Santa, I guess. So, and then leading the charge is Jude Law. So we'll see. Maybe he's a good guy. Who knows? Maybe we're judging too harshly. Jude Law can be a good guy. Mm. He can be a good guy once he was Dumbledore, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah. So. And then on to the animated shows, we got Visions. We got a trailer for, but that's not really much of a trailer because, like, Visions is just a big thing. Not really that kind of thing. So it was just kind of like, look at all the different things. Looks cool, right? That'll be fun. Oh, yeah. That's actually our next thing because that comes out in, on May the 4th, so right around the corner. Uh, should be fun. I mean, we like the last Visions. It's just, it's just a fun time, you know? Just a cool thing. They've uh, they cast their net a little wider, I think, with the studios that are involved in this one because there's, like, lots more mm-hmm. styles and... um different countries and stuff represented which is fun so should be cool i think there's a sequel to the ninth jedi which is like my favorite one so that'll be cool to see if it's in there oh that'd be great uh tales of the jedi was confirmed to get a second season which would be cool we didn't get anything else about it but there it is what do you think what do you think jack who could we get a i think we talked about this when tales of the jedi came out but still uh, i hope we get a plocoon cool to see plocoon Fisto. i'd like to see ben solo and Luke, oh, that'd be good. I'd like to see Ray afterwards. That'd be cool to kind of fill in that gap, maybe before the the point that we're getting in this movie, right? Maybe show the beginnings of her starting that. Um, could go way back as well. Do like a High Republic one, but a Old Republic one. Stellan Geos, you know, but a Elzar Man, but a Avar Chris, perhaps. Jack, who's your favorite Ooh. High Republic character that you would like to see? Oh, it's it's so hard to pick. There's um, Count Dooku. <laughs> He's technically High Republic. Technically. <laughs> you could have just said Yoda. Oh, fuck. Yeah, you're right. Yoda. He's in those books and everything. I mean, he's there. Oh, I forgot he's a thousand years old, so he's in everything. Ah, damn. That's a tough track. Have you seen that? Um, I saw some theory on TikTok, speaking of Yoda, about Grogu um, uh, being sent back in time through that. What is it? What's that time travel thing from Rebels called? World Between Worlds. Yeah, the world between worlds, and they take Yoda, uh, Gurgu, and they send him back in time, and then he's Yoda. That's stupid. That's not how the world between well, world works either. It's not really time travel. You can't actually, you cannot travel with it. You can't change things that have already happened. That's not. It's not uh, how any of that works. 
But what if you use the force hard enough? With the force, all things are possible, right? No. <laughs> oh. Not all things. <laughs> oh, I got to make some calls. <laughs> That's kind of the point. Uh, I got to make some calls. Is that if you try to do too much with the force, you end up doing bad things. You've seen the movie, no, wait, but really. I, no, no, but I can, I can bring my family back from the dead. I can stop them from dying. No, you probably can't. <laughs> hmm. You know, I had a friend who was going to go tell the leaders of his school about this. I got to go. <laughs> I gotta go. Something something bad might happen. Hmm. I've been misinformed. And then rounding it out, we got the Bad Batch season three. Uh, they confirmed season three, last season for the Bad Batch, which tracks. That's kind of what we theorized, anyways. Oh yeah. Um, somewhat of a disappointment, just because I like it so much. I suppose I'd like it if it kept going, but I also think three f- feels feels right for this show. Um, and you know we'll have some kind of other animated show after it, I'm sure. So that'll be oh, cool yeah, in its own sure. way. Like. It's not like we're going to go without. So I'm sure they already know what that next one's going to be. They're probably already fucking working on it. The way they lead with animation, it's probably already in, in the works for all we know. Absolutely. And I don't know. People are theorizing like they could do a show more or less set in this era just without these characters in particular, right? Have the Bad Batch more or less settle down and then do like a Rex and Echo show or something to that effect, you know, which could be. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll just have to see. Yeah. What a fun time that'll be. What a fun time it'll all be, Jack. What a bunch, a big bunch of Star Wars, huh? Don't you just love it? Oh, just chock full of Star Wars. Just full up on Star Wars. I'm so full of Star Wars. I could literally vomit. Like, I'm actually... <laughs> no, please. I couldn't have any more Star Wars, please. I'm feeling a little unwell. I must... I just must insist. I'm sorry. Yeah, I love Star Wars more than anyone, but I just... There's a point where you just had a little bit too much Star Wars in you. Yeah, for one day at for least. One day. That's right. You know, Ewan McGregor was there, and that's cool. Ooh. They did a, they God did bless a Obi, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi retrospective, and and Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen surprised everyone. They said, we're here. We're in London. Oh, my gosh. I did see the clip where Hayden Christensen's like on stage, and the interviewer was like, what's the line people want you to say the most? He kind of looks around, and everyone's cheering, and he's like, this is where the fun begins. And everyone goes, oh, my God, I said But like, it wasn't like the first time he said it, back when the Obi-Wan show, when he was like, oh, I'm going to say it, it's going to go great. He definitely seemed like he didn't want to say it. He was like, uh, here it is. I don't know, man. I don't want to say it anymore. Why did I do this to myself? No, come on. Truly not. That's what. That's the vibe I got. But I always get that kind of, I always feel like celebrities don't like doing things like that. But I'm sure I'm sure not all of them. See, Star Wars celebrations like, not even a normal. Like, it's not a normal like press junket type thing, right? No, no. You're, you're there. It's like out of you're his way. If he didn't want to, I don't think he would have showed up. But maybe you're right. Maybe they paid him up. And they're like, Hayden. We'll give you all the money. We'll give you a bunch of money. They're like, he's like, all right, I guess. That's the thing. I don't think they would give you a bunch of money, right? Is that how that works? I I really don't know. They they must have some amount of money to appear. Yeah, but like, I don't think they just keep, you know, like uh, keeping money on you to show up for Star Wars celebration, right? That's true. More like, if you want to come, you come. We'll give you your normal kind of fee, but yeah, I can't imagine it's a big money making thing. Oh, Vivian Lyra Blair was also there, who was Leia in that show. Very articulate. She had some really. Interesting insights. Very smart little girl, which is cool. Oh, that's fun. Very Leia-like, which is what we talked about. But too bad people didn't like her. Oh, I forgot. I did watch a clip of her at Celebration, so I have heard Natasha Liu Berdizio talk. Um, <laughs> she does sound a little Australian, I guess. Now that I think about it. She talked about how she'd been Been-o. watching Rebels because someone asked her like, "How do you prepare?" She's like, "I just watched the whole show she was already in. It was easy." <laughs> yeah, I just did it. Motivation. I already got it. Great seeing them. The the Soka cast talk about actually watching the show. Uh, which yeah. Dope. 
They got one up on me. If I yeah. if they pass me, they're like, "All right, Jake, you want to be in the Ahsoka show?" I'm like, "Do I gotta watch Rebels?" And they're like, "Well, yeah." Then I'm like, mm, "I don't know. Do I have to?" It's like a hard. Then they fire me. I'm like, okay, I'll leave. Kitty Sack, I was having a great time. She's like, "I love everybody. I love this so much." And it's like, "Woo!" The guy who plays Ooh. um Cyril Karn was talking about how the Cyril the cer- the cereal the cereal cut off in a big way. He's like, "I don't know why everyone's talking about the cereal." <laughs> He's like everyone's obsessed with the cereal, but I was just there. I was just there eating the cereal, and everyone loves it. The weird space cereal—it's fun. They're eating tricks, maybe. He's like very—I don't know. He—I get the sense that he's not the kind of guy who's super into Star Wars. He's more just like I'm an actor. I'm here doing my acting. I must do my job. Everyone's like, "Oh my god, the cereal!" I wonder if that'll show up. He's- uh, one of my favorite bits that I saw was Juan Carlos Esposito. People were like, he's like, in real life, I'm like, everyone's always like, well, you're so nice. How do you do this? How do you do these? You know, you're always playing these these horrible villains. How do you do it? And he's like, that's the thing. I'm really an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good bit. So, fun time. Fun time. For fun. fun time. Head by all. You want to move on? But speaking of speaking of fun times head by all, I could take out of that into something that was not a fun time head by all. By all, I mean us. With the film Renfield, starring Nicholas and that guy from the menu and Aquafina. Nicholas Holt. Their names are both Nicholas. You can pull that one out. Oh shit! Well, what do you want from me, man? To remember their Nicholas names, Holt. obviously. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna remember. Th- I remember. Yeah, we're gonna be 100 episodes. I'm gonna start remembering names. Jeez, get real. Grow up. God, what is this? So, I think I got one over you. So, because this is a movie you? you made me see, and it was bad. So <laughs> now I got one. Yeah, well. <laughs> Finally, going finally on the board. I got. I still. I'm still ahead of you in a couple ways, like Westworld. That's a good show that we both liked. So I don't see how that. Yeah, and there's gonna be season five, right? They're gonna finish it. Oh, do you see they renewed the peripheral? Did they? Yeah, it's only been five months, but they finally renewed the peripheral. Hey, (laughs) better late than never. Everyone's like, "This is bizarre. This show costs so much money, and people didn't watch it that much. Why are you renewing this, Amazon?" (laughs) Um, Which I'm excited for because we liked it. But again, I'll take. More. I was. I want more peripheral. I want to see where it goes. It's the absolute state of this fucking of the industry and everything, right? We also talk about like why shows take so long. This is a big part of it because if your show finished airing five months ago and you're just now deciding that they can go ahead with making a second season, obviously that shit's not going to come out this year. I mean, <laughs> you got to write the whole show first. Yeah. Apparently, the the theory is that it's like to preserve the relationship with them and um, Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy because like. It'd be kind of awkward if you canceled their show while they also are making like several other shows for you and you're trying to make them like your temple creators. They're yeah. also doing um, Fallout, the Fallout TV show for them. So, oh, right. Yeah. So it'd kind of be weird if you were like, hey guys, we're, we're canceling your show. So, but see you next week. <laughs> see you around. <laughs> Anyways, that's not what we're talking about, though. We're talking about this movie, Renfield. It's a, it's a continuation of us watching a movie every single week for ever. Well, I looked it up. Like I was looking at the movies, we can keep this going for a while. Well, yeah, we got the Covenant, then we got like fuck. What's it called? What's after Covenant? Corner? Guardians is coming up. His Guardian. His Guardians. The week after Guardians is Charlie Day's movie. Oh, I want to see that. Yeah, I'll see that. Like yeah, fun. and then there's what's what's in the twenty eighth? The week of the twenty eighth. What's that know. one? There's a movie. Then there you go. Um, but yeah, this is a movie. I mean, you get it. You've seen the trailer. You get the premise. It's like, what if Dracula modern day? And he had a butler or something. She kind of has. I was reading the lore. I was trying to read up. I've never actually. Well, I read Dracula um, when I was in like middle school, like like seventh grade or something, because it came free on my Nook. <laughs> but uh, I don't remember it super well. But it's there, anyways. So I looked it into. I was and Renfield in the 
book isn't his like servant at his castle. He's like a guy. He's like an insane asylum patient who oh, actually like is able to commune with and like he gets him to do things for him, but it's not really like that. So it seems to me like in this movie they've conflated they've they've like combined the character of Renfield and the character of um fuck who's the main guy the main guy basically because he from Dracula yeah because he talks about him being like a lawyer or something or like land deals and stuff. a real estate agent which that's what I'll bring it up Harker I think is his name in Dracula that's that guy's role like the first the first character that meets him in in Dracula the way the the story starts is that this dude comes to Transylvania to be like, hey, you're interested in buying um, some property in England. Because, you know, in the 1800s, I guess that's how you had to do shit like that. You, you needed a man to come right. to your castle <laughs> halfway across the continent to be like, all right, you want to buy a house? <laughs> sure, we'll, we'll get, get it Yeah, Jonathan here. Harker is a newly qualified English solicitor. So he, dr- he visits Dracula to be like, you want to buy some land in England. So it seems like he's kind of combined those two characters. And they've added mm-hmm. a bit of lore to Renfield, like the fact that he had a wife and daughter. They also seem to change the timeline because he mentions the Great War of like, yeah, but which I guess he would have lived through, but it's just in the book, it all starts in like 1890s. So, so well before, well before the Great the War. Great, yeah. I don't know. Because they talk about decades when really it's been over 100 years. So it's not, I don't know, whatever. Maybe I'm looking too much into the minutiae of it. Because the thing about this all is, Jack, um, well, it wasn't that good to begin with. So <laughs> it was a bad movie. It was just a that movie that we I didn't like and didn't want to watch. I, I wanted to watch, but I was like, why am I watching this movie? Yeah, yeah. It sucks. Um, that's always a tough feeling. When you're like 20 minutes in and I was like looking at the watch already, I was like, oh, no. Yeah. Basically, I, I feel like I gave put more thought into the writing just then than the writers did for a lot of this because that was my biggest complaint of it. The action and stuff was all right, but the screenplay, I feel, was pretty weak. Just the most cliche fucking bullshit yeah that's really how i felt i was just like this is the most sort of yeah cliche like stereotypical version of all of this it's just the the dialogue's all clunky and everyone is just a uh kind of a caricature right everyone's like a yeah archetypical thing it's it's the kind of movie that gives you undue confidence in your own ability to write a movie it's like <laughs> i could write i could have done Renf- i could have made this movie what the fuck that's a very good way to put it jay because i thought the same thing i'm like i feel like my movie would be better than this which is absurd of course but yeah because i don't know how to make a movie I, I wouldn't know the first thing i've seen it i've watched movies but i couldn't make one i'm like oh, i couldn't make goodfellas i've watched it but i couldn't do it again yeah exactly um it's just the most tropey bullshit ever. The dialogue, like I said, in particular, like the way everything, the exposition of it all, um, just every time someone opens their mouth, it's just the most like clunky expository bullshit of like, hey, sis, you remember when our dad, the cop, was killed by these gangsters? Oh, yeah. You think I'm not mad, too? Uh, I'm in the FBI. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And that's an exaggeration, but not far off. No, no, no. That's how it goes. Also, you know what I didn't understand about this movie? Is that in this movie, Dracula is understood as like a known reference as like, I don't know, like a fictional kind of character, but he's real. So how does that work? Was he like, maybe it's like the story he's been turned into myth. Like he did a bunch of stuff, but they're like, oh, he's like a legend. I don't know. Doesn't really work. Why do they go to New Orleans? If he's a, if he can't go near the sun, wouldn't they just stay in the north where it is? dark yeah i think there's well because we see in the beginning that like some some guys get him some vampire hunter type dudes a uh like a priest and a van helsing type dude 
get him. Um, and they almost they almost burn him alive with the sun, but he makes it out. And then it, it almost implies that this is like he's still recuperating from that, but he hasn't, right? Because it's been a much longer time, I think. Yeah. So, but Renfield says that like this is it like goes like this often, like they go in cycles almost. Like, that's how it always goes. Like he gets beat by the heroes, and then we have to recuperate, and then inevitably some guys show up trying to stop him, and so on and so forth. But yeah, um, I don't know, man. That's just not great to just watch. A- just a bad movie. Uh, it's a lot. Aquafina's in it, and she is probably the worst stereotype of them all. Because yeah. she just spouts the. She's just a dumb, dumb idiot dummy who just does dumb things and says dumb things. She's got some funny lines in this, but yeah, overall, she's like a very cliche like character. I think. Um, again, it's just the dialogue that doesn't do any of them any favors. Like Renfield's almost. I feel like maybe it works a little better because Renfield's thing is that he's this man out of time right so he doesn't really understand he's kind of awkward and stuff right so he has trouble in yeah. social situation things so that kind of makes sense but when you have characters like aquafina and ben schwartz's character who's like the mob's the mob boss's son well they that's particularly bad because they're just like normal modern people and they just talk like no one ever like i don't know one of the worst yeah. ones that stands out to me is the scene where dracula and him meet I don't know, just the way he talks. And I was just like, hey, man, I'm a, oh. and then like, just, I don't know. Everything happens too quickly. I think it's part of it. Oh, just yeah. Within they, the they, rhythm of like a two minute they blow scene, through it. He's like, oh, my God, you're going to kill me. And then he's like, oh, my God, I'm a mobster. And then he's like, well, yeah, you Dracula, you can come with us. Actually, you're on our team. Yeah, Dracula. Oh, you're Dracula. Oh, like real Dracula. OK, I, I completely uh, buy into that. And uh, do you want to be on our team? OK, let's do it. And then we're just on the next scene. Let's like, do it. I was like, whoa. <laughs> so I, I don't know. The action, I would say, is pretty cool for the most part in like an, um, you know, egregious over the top kind of way. Yeah, just insane. The fight scenes are kind of fun, but everything surrounding them is just a lot of things don't make sense. There's a lot of things I'm thinking about now. It doesn't make sense because I I love the clunky line of just Aquafina being like, and they hold me down because they don't they don't want me to look into my dad's murder. But I was best cop ever. I'm the best cop ever. I'm top of the academy. It's like, but your sister's in the FBI. So wouldn't they try to fuck her over too and put her in a position where they can't research, like look into their shit? So they just don't like you, man. Like what? What's going well, on? I think the idea is that her the police department is crooked because it's the local city police, but the FBI is yeah, yeah. Right, it's so just, it's harder to. She's just full FBI. I guess that's I guess fair. It's harder to corrupt. I don't know. Just I silly. Did, I, I gotta say, um, no offense, Takafina, but there was times where I find it hard to believe that she was like this badass, kick-ass cop because um, she's like five foot nothing. Especially in scenes where she's next to Nicholas Holt, he like towers over her and like almost. Oh, away. he's he's actually massive. Which I looked it up. He's only six three, which is I mean that's quite tall. Don't get me wrong, that's very tall. But I mean, it's than us. it it's extremely um, pronounced when he's standing next to Aquafina. Like is mm. she like I had to look it up because I'm like is she like four foot nine? How, how tall is this woman? And it, it again it says five foot one, so which is pretty short still, but yes. it's just comical next to him. Uh, yeah, we, I, we didn't actually mention it, but like what? How about What's his name? Actual Nick Nick Cage as Dracula. I think he's kind of fun for the most part. I mean, he's doing it. Right? He, he's he's fun. He's doing drag. He's doing what I wanted him Dracula. to do. I was like, oh, this is. This, I knew what I was getting. I'm like, oh, this is gonna be good because it's gonna be Nicholas Cage being goofy Dracula. There is a point where he does a monologue at Renfield to like manipulate him, where he like loses. The, I can tell him like, you lost it. You had the Dracula voice, and now it's gone. Now you're doing some some other voice that isn't the Dracula voice you want. Like, like he, he doesn't always have the voice, and you can tell he can't hold it for super long. But I mean, he looked cool. He did look cool. I liked 
he's sort of progress. Like in the very beginning, he's like horrible. <laughs> he's always disgusting. Like big, like just a goopy mass of. I don't even know. It's I don't even understand what's going on because he's just got like weird shit jutting out of his face and stuff. But he's he's suitably gross. And then he there's a little bit of a progression where he gets more and more put together until he's basically back to normal. Is that right? I don't understand the timeline on that. That's what I mean. Because it's like it happens almost instantly. It feels like, I mean it feels pretty quick because it's implied that like this takes a good long while. But so it yeah like, it must be that like he was destroyed really heavily like right before the movie started. started yeah they just got to new orleans or they just didn't think about it yeah i don't think about it because it's like we have a montage of him painting like do we making his whole life and he goes to several weekly meetings but then dracula's like renfield where the hell did you go and like is he st- is he not seeing dracula is he blowing up like is he supposed to be taking a long time i don't how often is he killing people yeah why does he keep using chloroform that's not how chloroform works at all but it's a movie so they're gonna make yeah. it do the movie yeah. thing well, the thing about chloroform is that it's just as likely to kill you, right? It's just yeah. knock you out cold. But that works for his purposes, doesn't it? Well, that's true. You can just kill people. So, also, the bug power was r- real weird. I didn't get the ru- the rules. Were I mean, there were no rules, frankly. Well, so he says it at one point that he gets the life force from them when he eats them. Um, and I looked this up in the book. That's what he does. He like eats uh, bugs because he thinks he can get their life force from them. But the difference is that in the book he's crazy, and that doesn't really do anything. But in the mm-hmm. in this, yeah, he eats bugs, and it just actually does. Yeah, and it it depends how like it seems in some scenes, some fight scenes, he's eating bugs consistently. Like he eats a bug, does a like a bunch of really powerful attacks, then has to eat another bug to get another boost. Yeah. Like it, it's really rapid. But then he fights all the mob guys, and he eats like a bunch of bugs at once to like stack mm-hmm. it. And then when he kills Ben, spoilers, he kills Ben Schwartz's character. Like by by Mortal Kombat and the shit out of him or something, and then he eats a bug and that like amps him up for one big attack. I'm like, what what is happening? Why why did any of this happen the way that it happened? Yeah, or like in the in the restaurant when they do the big fight, he eats like one fly and yeah. he's able to do all that. So yeah, it's a little inconsistent. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's definitely like again, it's not supposed to be obviously a one to one adaptation of the exact Bram Stoker lore, but. You know, obviously that's one of the buy-ins of this uh, of this uh, movie. Is that like, yeah, he's got powers too, because otherwise he wouldn't be able to do any of the stuff. So I get it. But. Yeah. One thing I will give the movie is I did like the black and white sections right at the beginning. I thought that was interesting and cool and unique, and they never did it again. And I was like, come on, do that a couple more times, yeah. please. Like I said, I did enjoy the the opening scene with the vampire hunters guys. Although we didn't get any more of that, like, because he says like, yeah, that's how it always goes. Like, there's always some guy, but there's there was never any other, uh, yeah monster hunter type individuals that they, pop up they mentioned it at the beginning that the, like these guys are the last that is what he says. yeah so i guess that proof was just correct but then again who fucked up dracula that bad in the beginning then <sighs> who knows he just they just stepped outside accidentally I, renfield fucked up who knows like you said the even just the premise of like why would they have to move to new orleans because really they shouldn't have to I mean, yeah. if he had a castle, like, why wouldn't you just chill there still and just be a rich guy forever? Where did it, where did it go? He says he, like, spent their resources moving around, but it's like, why? Maybe it's because people catch on eventually. Once you get into more modern times, you can't just be, like, a weird uh, vampire who lives in a castle and eats people because people would be like, hey, don't do that. <laughs> we have the internet. So yeah, hey, keep up on stuff. Like we can keep track of people. <laughs> so maybe that was the idea. Yeah. But you should still have money because it's like not hard to keep. If you get to live forever, it's really easy to get lots of money because you just can let it, you know, interest and shit. 
Yeah, just leave it in a bank for a Whatever. while. I don't know if you noticed, but Robert Kirkman has a credit for this movie. Um, I didn't he know. doesn't have an actual screenplay credit. Um, it's the screenplay for Ryan Ridley, who has what? Let me see. He wrote on, uh, or at least he was. Yeah, he wrote on Rick and Morty. He also wrote on uh, Invincible, I guess, for one of the episodes. And that's about it. Well, should have done. Should have put the old Invincible. I mean, you can tell he wrote part of it because all the blood that's everywhere. Makes sense, yeah. Yeah. But it has a... uh, Robert Kirkman got a based on an original idea by credit, which I don't even know how that would fucking work, but... (laughs) What? Uh, What if we made a bad Dracula movie? That's a great idea. No one's ever thought of that. I don't know how that works. Just be like... Yeah, an idea. I don't know. I don't really know, but... (laughs) I have one single idea and the movie was original. They're like, ah, good enough. He's just like, what if you, what if Renfield was in New Orleans? And they're like, all right, give him a credit. All right, good enough. Credit. They don't, I love they don't, there's nothing else to reference the fact that they're in New Orleans until they say Cafe Duman. And I was like, why are they going to the cafe? Why are they going to the most popular place in all of New Orleans to hide from the mob? What? Or one of the most popular. I don't know if it's the most popular, but it's, it's up there for sure. Um, the director was Chris McKay, who, I think was a producer on the Lego movie, which is a good movie, I think. Um, I haven't seen it, but I've heard good was, things. He was, yeah, things. so he was an exec. You haven't seen a Lego movie? Oh, no. I even bother. Oh, no, it looks like maybe he was a producer on the Lego movie part two. Um, also a producer on the Lego Ninjaro movie, which I kind of like, but other people don't. And it looks like he was a, his previous directing credits are the Lego Batman movie, which still, I think, pretty good. But then also... He directed the most recent movie he directed was The Tomorrow War, which is a movie I very much don't like. Wait, didn't we talk about The Tomorrow War yeah. on the show? Oh, bad. yeah. Bad, bad movie. Not a very great one. So, no, not. There's Chris McKay for you, I guess. These guys are making good movies. What else in this movie that really pissed me off? There was something else in particular. There was a lot of weird editing things. Yeah, like, that's just, what I mean. The whole just like pacing and, and the, just the f- scenes did not flow into each other very well at all. Just terrible. Um, one thing I did think was funny was the one girl in the support group who they never let finish her like share. That was a pretty good joke. Yeah, and they're like, well, "Fuck me, I guess I can never finish." Um, also, I didn't get just. I mean, I we could track the movie and bad, but really irked me. When Drekka kills all those people in the meeting, dips, and then Aquafina pulls up with her partner. It's like, Renfield, you're surrounded by blood and are weeping. You clearly killed all these people with your claw hands. You've ripped these people to shreds, clearly. Mm-hmm. I kind of prison. I thought the same thing. It's like, what? I don't know why she didn't give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. And she's like, you're a murderer. You're a bad person. And he's like, but you saw him kill. You saw him cut a guy's arms off. And you were like, no, that means a good. you're a hero. You're not a hero. I wanted to throw up when she was saying those lines. I was like, oh, I hate yeah. this. Yeah. Oh, anyway, it was this. bizarre that she was okay with that guy. Like, I don't know. That's very weird. Can you do that? Just like, uh, I guess you're helping the cops, so you're free to go. It's like, you did cut those guys out. Like, yeah, she's like, that was awesome. But then now, yeah, it's just bizarre. It's the same. And then the scene when she's like saying all that, and she's like, you're a murderer. And he's like, I'm not, because I'm this, this, and that. And like, just again, within that one scene, she completely buys into the premise that he is Renfield and, and serves literal Lord Dracula. That's weird. Yeah. It doesn't make sense, but whatever. Why would you believe this guy? This guy was like clearly weird and maybe has problems. Yeah. And she's like, oh, okay. Well, in that case, it's like, wait, what? That this Why didn't you say so earlier? It's just nothing. I didn't care for it much, Jack. And I'm kind of upset you made me go to it. Um, but well, you know, I got your back. I guess I use my regal unlimited. So 
It cost me nothing. See, look Didn't at even that. buy it. So no harm, no foul. What's well, that attack out of this yeah, thing? Because we're goodbye, yeah. Ryan. I'm not even gonna bother Stars. rating it. In, into the Mandalorian episode seven of season three, chapter twenty two. Twenty three. You twenty three, right? Because it'd be math. Third of eight. Jesus, Matt. Okay, I got there. I got there. I told you, you didn't get anywhere. I brought you. There. Cut out. You tell. I'll, hey, I'll cut it all out. Watch it. I'll change history, baby. You know this one's called Jack. What? Do you know? No. <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember. Oh, it, it's... Oh. I feel like it's a very simple name that I would remember. I don't it's remember. It's called The Spies. Damn. Oh. So, I don't know. Did I mention this to you or on the show or either last week that the people who watched this earlier celebration loved it? Yes, you did. Which, which one? <laughs> Both. Okay, cool. So they loved it. <laughs> they said it was one of the best episodes of the season. Uh, maybe the whole series. And... I don't know if I can disagree, Jack. I think they're probably right. That it was the best? Oh, yeah. It's the best episode of this season yeah. for sure. Maybe one of the whole series. Um, now, I don't think it, like, redeems this season necessarily. Although, because of recent yeah, bias thought... and everything, I feel like it's going to yeah. lead people to be like, well, it wasn't that bad, right, guys? <laughs> the end was so cool. It, it was leading for some. What were you going to say? Did you? Do you not Do you not feel this way? I... No, I I gotta say I I was like, hmm, was this the best? I don't know. I felt I don't know. It felt weird. I don't know. I it, I couldn't I couldn't shake that. Like, well, look, Moff Gideon's back after being gone for not even a season. It just feels just yeah. a lot of stuff we've talked about. Yeah. Like, there are parts in this that I'm like, is there, like I don't know why why are we doing this yeah. like this feels. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. I saw people say that something to that effect, which is basically. Especially, yeah, like with this um, episode and, and the return of Moff Gideon fully, this episode like pretty much completely sets us all the way back where almost nothing from the end of the Mandalorian season two matters. matters. We are pretty much we've re regressed on every single like big moment that happened in that finale. Right. And I wouldn't disagree with that necessarily. Right. Um, you know, again, like, oh, yeah. Um, Din makes a big decision by choosing to take off his helmet. We've reverted from that. He, he's he's back to that. Um, you know, Grogu leaves. He's back. You know, Moff Gideon's captured. He's just back out doing Mando or uh, you know Imperial things. So I wouldn't necessarily disagree with all that, but I also think this episode was pretty sweet. There was cool stuff in it for mm -hmm. sure. I can't argue with that. So we open Jack on Coruscant. We have um, fuck. I I'm, I don't know why I can't remember her name, but the Imperial spy lady. It's like a lie or something. Elia something um and she's on Coruscant and she uh sneaks away to uh do a message to Moff Gideon specifically just directly and there he is he's back yeah and she tells him that the yeah her name's Elia Kane um she tells him that the pirates that they sent to try to fuck up Navarro have been defeated by Mandalorians and he's like hmm so turns out those guys were affiliated with the Imperial Remnant which is like a theory that's been going around a bit yeah. Um, so yeah, you got that. And then we cut to Gideon, and he does a bit of a meeting. There's a bit of a big council. They called the Shadow Council. So this is a thing that's in uh, the aftermath trilogy, but during those books, the Shadow Council is disbanded. So this is kind of a new version of it. And well, this is really cool. I don't know. I'd love to see um, get a much better handle on like what these guys are all up to and and what the what the deal is with these guys. Mm -hmm. For sure. So some of the notable members, and by notable, I think the only people whose names we know, <laughs> we have Captain Pelion, <laughs> who is uh, basically he's a Grand Admiral Thrawn's right hand man. Um, and then we also have Brendel Hawks, 
who is uh, Hux's dad from the sequels. His dad. Yeah, which I think they did a good job of conveying that because he sounds very similar. <laughs> yeah, that's how I was thinking. I was like, huh, Hux? Probably his dad that's or something. Dad. Or his uncle or whatever. Um, I gotta say, I mean, the, the lore junkie in me is like, sort of like obsessing over a lot in this scene just because I'm, I'm trying to like make it all fit together, right? Because the thing I've talked about before mm-hmm. is that when people talk about Gideon and like the cloning stuff and, oh, this is probably connected to Palpatine, it doesn't make sense to me because Palpatine's whole plan when he died, right? The whole contingency he had set up, which has been explored in a lot of the different books and things post uh, Endor, was that basically ha- he had a specific like group of people in mind who got to go to the unknown regions and we're going to rebuild the first order. Right. And pretty much everyone else was going to be destroyed. Like he wanted the empire, the existing empire to be like destroyed basically to, I don't know, like punishment. Like, look, you guys failed me. So fuck you kind of thing. Um, and I think also kind of to act as like a bit of cover and to like call the weak, like all those things. Right. Like he was like, well, clearly this empire sucked. So we're going to do a new one with the best of the best. Everyone else can fuck off. And so my theory for the longest time has been that Gideon isn't really affiliated with the emperor because if he was, he would be in the unknown regions with everyone else. The fact that Gideon's just hanging out in the known galaxy doing his own thing suggests that he's not part of that. Right. Then we have like Brendel Hux in this shadow council and Hux is one of the ones who went to the unknown regions and started doing the first order. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just curious as to like what the plan here is and how these people all fit into it. I I think it could make sense even if just the first order guys are not fully committed to this, but they they're just kind of supplying these guys with, you know, resources just to just to kind of disrupt things like to mess with the new Republic a bit, even though they're not ready to fully, you know, come out and face them. Right. They're still like decades away from that. Just the idea that they're just kind of messing with them a little bit, I think, would make some sense. Mm-hmm. But I also don't, it's interesting, like, where does Thrawn fit into all this? It's not clear because it seems like Pelion and uh, Hawks, they have like a knowing look in this scene, right? Where they're like, hmm, what do you think? What do you think? Like, yeah. They both are like, oh, okay, I guess we'll give you some of the, uh, some, what do they want? What does he want? He wants like bombers and stuff, right? So yeah. it's not clear to me where Thrawn fits into all this, I guess is what I'm saying. And I, I want to know, Jack. I'm curious. We might know even as early as next episode, or it might be, you know, when the Ahsoka show, or maybe not even then. Who knows? Next season of Mandalorian could be could be years away. But uh, I'm I'm curious. I would I would like to know. Well, and the other thing is okay. So they talk about um, the cloning, right? His plans um, for all that, and they're like, "How about that doc guy you had? Is he still working?" And <laughs> Gideon has to be like, "Uh, he was captured. We kind of lost. He him, was right? captured by the New Republic, and we flayed his mind. <laughs> so no." <laughs> No, we lost it. Well, start from scratch. And they um they mentioned something called Project Necromancer, which is kind of interesting. It seems to suggest that like all the different experimenting he's been doing throughout the seasons is all part of that, which is neat. Uh, what do you think? What do you think Project Necromancy might be? Um, probably to um probably rejuvenate like I don't know dead tissues or like cloning or something maybe probably for right. probably palpatine that's stuff. what it sounds like isn't it? and that's just the yeah. popular that's what, that's what i thought of immediately it's like oh so it is palpatine right it was all palpatine all along yeah. i guess but the problem for the with that for me is that the lore that at least as it's been established thus far is that palpatine doesn't need these dudes help with that because he's already done it he was working on it for years before he died like the, the thing is is that the, i guess this is the, the thing that's that's kind of hard to maybe wrap your head around at times, but Palpatine mm-hmm. is back already, right? 
he's on Exegol right now. Like at, at this point in the timeline, he's he's still alive. Oh. Like the instant he dies, he comes back in that in a body on Exegol, right? His oh, consciousness right. Yeah, transferred like instantly. So he's already chilling there, just biding his time, waiting for everything to come into place, right? So right, he doesn't yeah. need these dudes' help to bring him back. Unless they're going to change it, which they, I mean, I suppose they might, you know, fuck the books and everything. That's mm -hmm. the idea. And, like, it, there's there's other evidence to support this, right? Like, Ray's dad, right? You know, technically, he's just a clone of Palpatine. Of Palpatine, yeah. And he was, whatever, quote-unquote, born before Palpatine dies, right? Like, the timeline works out that he was born, like, 10 years before um, Palpatine's death. So, right. You know, these all kind of factor in where it's like, oh, that's not uh he, he doesn't need their help basically. He he's already well on his yeah. way. And the other thing is like no one knows about him. Like only certain very specific people in the first order as well know that he's still alive and kicking and he's got his own plans. You know. There's like there's like mm. several layers to this thing, which is kind of his MO. He loves his layers. But basically Gideon's like, We gotta fuck up the Mandalorians, they're a big problem, and everyone's like, Yeah, sounds right. And he's like, maybe I should be in charge. And they're like, mm, maybe. Yeah, maybe you should be. Oh, who knows? And uh, give me some bombers and some Praetorian guards. And they're like, fucking fine. So then we cut to our Mandalorians. The, you know, the, so the, uh, those, those exact Mandalorians. And they've arrived on Navarro with their new fleet, right? Which is dope. Mm. Big ship. It's got a big Mandalorian skull on it. Very cool. Lots of uh, Gazantes. Lots of gauntlets. Looking, you know, pretty sizable force. And they roll up and they park. And we have a bit of a meeting, a bit of a tense standoff, right? Between our two our two groups coming together. So we got oh, yeah. the tribe and we got the, uh, I guess the, well, they call them night owls in oh, this one. So I, I'm confident calling them the night owls. So yeah, uh, we got the tribe and the night owls and they're all like, hmm, I don't know about this. But then they, these guys are terrible. We don't, we don't like them. But then the armor's like, let's have a feast. And they're like, all right, maybe you're not so bad. Yeah. And they do a little bit of, well, not really mingling at the feast. <laughs> They all kind of sit away. Only the ones without helmets get to eat. The rest of them just kind of sit there. Which I thought was weird. I was I was wondering how they were going to approach that when they were like, let's have a feast. Because we learned early in the season that the idea is everyone just goes off and hides while they eat. Yeah, they eat on their own you know, in, in, in the dark. So not really a very feastly atmosphere. Um, not at all. Before we get there, though, Griff Carter's like, I got a gift. I got this nice bottle of wine. Probably don't want to share it, though, because there's too many people. <laughs> Yeah, I brought you one bottle of wine. Uh, but also, we, we finished fixing IG-11, and now he's a little mech that you can pilot. And uh, maybe Grogu. <laughs> and uh, Grogu drives around the mech. I love it. That was, the, that was so much fun. It's a lot of fun, right? Very cool. Got a yes and no I button. I think that's the best part of it. Because oh, I mean, yeah. if we're being objective here, in terms of locomotion, this might be inferior to his little pod. Because that thing could fly sure. and shit. Like... That thing has like unlimited motion. It's pretty fast. Yeah, it was very fast. It could fly. So, like in a lot of ways, this is a downgrade because you're just a big clunky thing. But and he's really exposed. It allows him. you to um, it allows him to interact more, right? Because he's got arms and stuff now, and he's got he can talk. He's got buttons. Yeah, I thought that was pretty very limited talking, but still pretty good. Was great. Yeah. Also, it kind of implies that he's a little bit more with it than maybe we thought. Like, because mm -hmm. he uses them effectively, right? The yes and no buttons, so he knows what they mean at least. Hit across, I, much to the chagrin of Din. Very fun, great. Oh yeah, it was real dad moment where he's like, "Come on, like I don't think we stop. need this. We'll probably leave this." And Grief's like, "Let him try. Come on, come on, give him the toy." He's like, "He's like Grogu's fun grandpa." <laughs> yeah, like, come on, I got the kid the toy. You're not gonna let him play with his toy. Come on, come on, don't be mean. Don't be, don't be a sourpuss. 
then he's like stealing fruit and stuff. It's very, it's, it's classic Grogu hijinks, isn't it? Yeah, just eating everything in sight because he's a little monster. He's a little monster. He's so hungry. Why is he so hungry? He's got to, he's so old. He's got to have enough energy to live a thousand years. <laughs> he's still trying to grow his brain, I guess. So he can get to the point yeah. where he can talk and shit. He's a hungry, hungry boy. Um, so we have a, we, we got the feast and Bo-Katan's like, we're going to go to Mandalore. We'll take it back. What do we think? And it's a bit, it's, it's a, a bit perilous for a minute. Yeah. Uh, maybe like, yeah, sure, whatever. We'll do it. We'll do it. Come on. We got our boy Din. Of course, he's the first one. He's like, well, I'll come with you. And that opens the floodgates. And we get um, Casca Reeves. And then just a bunch of unnamed people, really. <laughs> and then yeah. Axe Wolves will do it. And so then Paz Viz is like, well, I'll go, too. I'll go. Of course. I, gotta, I gotta go. If this fucking clown's got going. got a rivalry going on, which is fun. Um, and the armor's like, actually, I'll come. Which is neat. She doesn't really do stuff like that. And the, the fleet takes off. We're going to Mandalore, right? Mm-hmm. So eagle-eyed viewers have picked out that between them leaving Navarro... And arriving on Mandalore, some of a good number of their ships have left. So either that's an error, which I'm not inclined to think, or um, some right. of their other ships went somewhere else to do something, which could tie in to go later. like get more, yeah. man, pick up more people, tie in later maybe. It might come in handy. So Bo and Bo takes her gauntlet down like we did already because she knows what she's doing. And we're like, all right, we're going to Mandalore. Mm-hmm. We're going to find the Great Forge. I don't get why all the other people parachuted, uh, parachute jetpacked out of her ship before she landed. Because I'm like, well, she can just land, right? Surely. They were securing the zone. Oh, that's I, what they said. I guess that's fair. They scoped out, and then they're like, it's secure. You can land. Um, we get some details about the Mandalorians. Obviously, Paz Vizsla, who's not been there, is like, oh, God, this sucks. This is worse than I thought. Um, we learned that Axe Wolves was on Mandalore when it happened, which is tough. And then he's like, yeah, it sucks. Oh, yeah cool some very cool shots of like the big the landscape and then like chilling on it you know big big wide landscape shots which can be fun and so then they land right yeah they land and then they're hanging out and they find a they see a big ship out in the distance which turns out to be this like big sailing barge thing yeah cool lego set <laughs> cool lego set very possibly a potential lego set oh, um yeah. with some mandalorians on it who've been living here since the since it all went down the per and they don't, and they seem pretty worse for wear. Yeah, they're a little bit, uh, they're a little bit rough, but you know, they got the spirit, right? Yeah, they're like, oh, I love the, like, oh, Bo-Katan, you're back. This is great. We can, we can take everything back. Ah, oh, what a great time! This is this super is. cool. <laughs> Big fans of this. We har- harbor no ill will towards the fact that this is kind of your fault. Yeah, and uh, the, they, and then she kind of dresses out. It's her fault. They're like, yeah, you didn't give up though, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. We don't watch it, so that's a good bit of. Lore. She's like, ooh, felt about that. I definitely did because they were killing. They were killing everyone. I, I they, all of us were going to die if I didn't do it, and they still killed everyone. So we've kind of got a pretty full picture of everything that's happened now, right? Um, you know, it's kind of over the course of the couples, the, all three seasons, we've painted this all together. So at the end of Rebels, or well, at the end of the Mandalore arc of Rebels, which is what we just watched the other week, right? Uh, right. They pretty successfully seem to push the Empire out of Mandalore. But now what we learned what happened was is that they just returned with much greater numbers because that's kind of the Empire's thing. Is there's always more of them, right? It's just sheer overwhelming yeah. force. And they, they come back in numbers far superior than what the Mandalorians can defeat. And so, yeah, Bo-Katan tries to negotiate and Gideon was like, yeah, sure, you just hand that over and uh, no one has to get hurt. And then he's like, actually, everyone's going to get hurt. <laughs> Yeah, it's gonna be an, a horrible time for everyone involved. Um, it's not quite clear after that how she got like, got away, I guess, but whatever. 
ingenuity. Um, it's not. It's also kind of sus. Then, like, how completely was it destroyed? Like, did anyone make it off the surface? Because we can, we have like Axe Woves, who was like, I was here, but he clearly made it away. But then these these guys got stuck on there and had to live with a weird sailboat for like however forever long. I'm. I would really like to know where Fen Rao is. I'm waiting for my boy. Yeah, he's got to be under hope, or he's dead. I guess. I mean. No, not the boy. All his friends are dead already. I, I suppose he could be. I would like to think he's not. Um, you know, I was reading the the, the StarWars.com databank article about Fang Fighters. It says that the protectors are the only ones who use them. And that uh, Fen Rao has to train everyone. He had to train everyone specifically on how to use them. Like they were very, yeah. like, they're that kind of specialized. Yeah. Um, and the Mandalorian fleet has some Fang Fighters in it, so... Who's training them? Somebody's got to train oh, them. Oh yeah, I, I mean, sheesh. Maybe they're going to go. They're going to go pick up Fenrir somewhere. So That's cool. where those guys. I would love here peeled off. I'd love that so much. So love Fenrir. Um, bit of a sus scene here from our favorite sus character, the the armor. Uh, oh, she loves it. She loves being so suspicious, so unbelievably sus. Uh, so, oh, it's your favorite. The pirate guys is like, which I'll just call them that, even though they're not really. Um, no. They're like, how'd you survive? And they're like, we were on the moon of Concordia. And he's like, oh, so you were Death Watch, right? And she says, uh, there's no Death Watch anymore. Yeah, uh, it's, we're, we splintered. So not, no, <laughs> we're not Death Watch. Death Watch. And she says, Death Watch exists no longer, which isn't really an answer. That's not really no. It's just not anymore. Not at the moment. Right now, when you ask me, it no longer exists. So, I mean, which has been kind of obvious. Like, they're called the children of the watch. I mean, that the, the yeah, clearly death connection feels clear. So, almost too easy. Almost. almost. Um, Bo talks about how their division's always the thing that gets them because they were always too strong. But she also just got finished telling them about how the Empire was too strong for them. So, I don't know if I totally buy that. Oh, she. <laughs> Yeah, and also they got their ass kicked by the Jedi thousands of years ago. Jedi also beat them. So, so they're 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 like two to zero. I mean, they're good. Don't get me wrong. I mean, the the Mandalorians are like the only people who have their own like section of of the galaxy, right? They have Mandalorian space because of how effective they were at conquest. So you got to give it to them. Don't get me wrong, but for her to be like the only thing that's ever stopped us is other Mandalorians. eh, That's perhaps a bit disingenuous, Bill, but. What about the guy who has the who had the dark saber? He he got it, didn't he? <laughs> we'll, we'll let her have this one, I guess. Yeah, yeah. She's had a rough couple of entrances <laughs> in the franchise. People have pointed out that this feels like um almost a bit of a religious allegory. Like the Mandalorians are sort of analogous for like Jews throughout history, right? The city of like, oh, we've been on the brink of extinction for thousands of years, which I think there's something to that. It's kind of neat. Um, we have a pretty good like a sort of a emotional scene between the two of them where she's like, I don't know, man, I don't know if I can do it again. Like she still got this doubt and he's like, nah, you're sick. I'll follow you wherever, man. We'll rebuild it. They haven't, they haven't sung your songs yet. And when they do, I'm going to, I'm going to be there. Which is cool. That's a nice moment between them. Yeah. There's no, like at least she can rely on somebody. Everyone else is kind of like all at each other's throats and everyone else is on edge and kind of grumpy. But Din's, Din's a ride or die, man. And you're the whole time like, I do it. I like the moment where she's like, all I got to bring everyone together is his sword. And he's like, that sword doesn't even mean shit to me. <laughs> didn't you, I don't give didn't a even know about, about that it. sword until you told me, to be honest. 
<laughs> and I gave it to you. I was like, I don't even really want this. You can have it. I, I wanted to give it to you, and you wouldn't let me. I, I don't want doesn't it. doesn't mean shit. <laughs> so I'm yeah. like, I'll destroy it. Hey, watch it. I wish you took it and just threw it into the sand. Look, now it's gone. Which kind of makes sense because it seems like they've kind of, over time, they've overplayed the significance of the Darksaber. Because um, when Kanan talks about it in Rebels, he says that it's a symbol of House um, Vizsla. More so than like all of Mandalore, but that's beside the point. Uh, yeah. What do you think, Jack? I gotta know. Do you ship them? Um, no. <laughs> Fair enough. Not, not, not at all. Because uh, Din not doesn't. At all? I mean, maybe a little. Is a little. No, because Din's an idiot. Sure. Like Din's not that kind of. Pr- I don't think Din's like that kind of. Yeah, I think Bo-Katan could be like. I could see that for her because she's like. Uh, like a worldly like mature and understands things but din's very uh, like a dog almost like I, if you're nice to me i'll be nice to you forever and i i'm a big I mean, fan just, that's that's his thing right he just travels a galaxy that's friends, it so he's just making friends and hey love him love the mandalorian din's great i mean there was that girl he was like maybe i'll have a family yeah. here on this planet with the air walker but likes her that's a plus right she's kind of we like any group I mean, probably because she got treats in her pocket, you can smell them. <laughs> she's like, man, this, lady, this lady's got treats for me. I know she does. She's gotta. People are pointing out that she's like Grogu's stepmom. So he was like sitting on her lap that, on the way down that, to the planet and stuff. It's cute, fun stuff. Yeah. So yeah. maybe I don't know, man. Shipping is weird, man. I mean, <laughs> well, yeah, it's talked about it. I've honestly got a little because I mean, we've talked we we talked about Lizzer and Sabine earlier. That's like a ship, right? I mean, that's like a. That's followed true. through in canon yet so it's just people speculating like ooh, maybe they'll kiss and like that one i can see and this one i can kind of see but then you just get crazy ones i saw a tweet this week that was oh, yeah. like it's just everything i dislike about it which is people like <laughs> yeah maybe they'll ship this this is kidding. and i think it was like ezra and sabine and um these two and something else and there are people like ooh, this is gross and boring no straight ships please and it's like come on oh, come on guys don't be shitty shitty I mean, I get it if you're not into that, but what are we doing? Yeah, don't need to say it out loud. Don't say the quiet part out loud. I only like the one where Zeb and Callus have babies. It's like, <laughs> why? Why do we got to do this? You know, just enjoy. Just watch the thing, man. Come just on. Just watch the thing. We got to be so aggressive. Also, it's like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I just don't get it, Jack. We've talked about it before. I like to think that every so often I'm like, oh, sh- I get it. You're just having fun. Like, it's like the the shit we speculate on, right? Like, we speculate on all manner of things. Yeah. Why can't you speculate on who ends up together? But then sometimes they just get they get a little too weird with it. I just can't. Yeah. They get too bogged down. Yeah, they get a little bit too bogged down. Um. So then we we travel towards the Great Forge, and this is one of the weakest points of the whole episode, and uh, really endemic of perhaps the writing. All season, um, if you pointed out, is that like the scene to scene writing in the show at times can be kind of weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is them. This is when Pavisla and X Wolves are <clears throat> playing their chess. Oh, this game. part's actually good. Never mind. This isn't. Is it, this is not the part taken. I, I think this is good. Yeah. I have too much problem. They have, it's, it's, it reinforces their rivalry. And they're playing not hollow chess, weird whatever chess. And they're, he doesn't move. And they're like, what are you doing? He's like, well, that's. That's the rule. That's how the rules are played. Uh, you, not, whatever can always flank when he's attacking. They're like, well, no, you can't. It's only the bit of it. Like, huh, these fucking cultists don't know have their own rules. Then they fight with uh, vibrating knives for a bit. Yeah, vibrate. Uh, until they do a little bit of a West Side Story. And then Gargo's like, no, no, I don't like West Side Story. Please stop. And they're like, fine. Little green child, we'll do what you say. 
which is nice. I thought that was a kind of again, like I I like the idea that Grogu can communicate now. I think there was a lot of weight to this of like, hey guys, come on, stop. And they do. They're like, oh, all right, well, it's the kid. All right, sorry, we were being a bit much. We won't fight in front of the. Like, kid. I thought that was genuinely kind of nice. Yeah, I guess again, that's, that's the it. benefit of the of the Walker or the the IG twelve thing is that he can like his arms to be like, hey guys, come on. And he's tall, and he's like as tall as like Pavizla, who's a very tall man, so he can like impose above mm-hmm. people. And um, Bo-Katan's like, yeah, look, that's good. Lucky you've taught him well. And he's like, he he did not learn that from me. <laughs> <laughs> I love fighting. Which I think he's I think he's being a little bit modest because Din does love fighting and he does a lot of fighting and I'm sure his idea there is like, oh well I just fight in front of him. Well, he would never learn that from me. But that's again, like we just alluded to, that's actually is one of his strengths. He's really good at making friends and, and like being yeah. a I don't know, like diplomatic, right? Like he travels the galaxy yeah, and is able the... to make connections and, and kind of um yeah. foster bonds between like all that. kind of groups. Yeah, the Ugnats and the... The Tuscans, yeah. Like, all Tuscan the time, he's, all, like, yeah. understanding people's, like, cultures and bringing them together and, and able to sort of negotiate. So, oh, I think he's being a little modest, and he doesn't realize, maybe, that he does that as almost as much as he just, you know, shoots people. Yeah, and brings them in for money. Yeah, which is nice. I think that's a cool moment. Um, then This next scene is the one I was talking about. Oh, with the big turtle there, monster? Shit, the big monster pops out of the ground and fucks him up. And this ship is destroyed immediately. It's there's like, lots of us in this season and this show in particular of just like ships or uh, big monsters just appearing and disrupting things. Yeah. Why? Like that's the best you can come up with. They were they were really crunched on time in the writers room. We're like, and then the the turtle monsters on the dead planet. Where did that come from? How did that live? What? She's like, oh, the bombings awoken things. These were just like what dormant under your planet? Like what is this? Pacific the whole, like what? And the planet was already destroyed. Like when we see it with Sabine, you like, guys lived here like ten years ago. Where the fuck were these guys? <laughs> like, I don't. Yeah, I don't get it. I don't really get all that. But it smashes their ship. I guess. Okay, they're done. Um, and so now they have to go into the forge. But they were going to the forge anyways. So I just don't see what the point of this. I guess it removes escape for them later on potentially. But yeah, I still thought it was kind of dumb. Also, I guess it kills a handful of them, which just weakens them a little. But. It still just feels like a bit of like the scene to scene kind of writing of like there's not natural consequences necessarily. Yeah, there's nothing going on. It's just we're going about and then oh, a big monster pops out of the ground. Like that has nothing to do with anything. But whatever, they get down to the forge and they're like, oh look at here it is. Looks looks not so bad down here. Okay, okay, we're cool. We're chilling. Yeah, part of our civilization. Well, we found it. This will be cool. I guess we'll build our. Because this is where they were gonna set up camp and go from i don't know yeah um but they're like nah actually uh stormtrooper guys or well like uh imperial guys right yeah wikipedia right now is calling them um imperial armored commandos i feel like they're pretty to me they're they seem very much like the sort of progression of the imperial super commandos we see in rebels right 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 uh the big thing is that these guys aren't mandalorians I think is probably the distinction. Yeah. Whereas in in Rebels, the Imperial Super Commandos were Mandalorians who wore like a switch sides. Yeah, they switched sides and they wore like an Imperial kind of version of Mandalorian armor. But again, they were actual Mandalorians like by upbringing and stuff. Because mm. these guys are probably just normal Imperial dudes or potentially something else um, who are wearing this armor. But again, it's to me that like the uh, you can see the design. It's very reminiscent, like on the chest 
and stuff. And obviously they have the jetpacks and the gauntlets and stuff. So I think it's pretty clear. That's what we're going for here. Um, but they look pretty cool, huh? I like these guys. Oh yeah, I thought they were neat. I liked them, and they have a nice drawn out fight because they can't. They're even. They're kind of evenly matched because they're wearing um, wearing Beskar armor, mm-hmm. so their flashes can't just they ping off them. So yeah. they're, it's hard to take them down. It's very much like a, a kind of evenly matched fight here because it's basically just yeah. They're they're also basically Mandalorians too, flying around with their gadgets and jetpacks and shit and gizmos. But they don't have quite enough, right? Because they don't have the shields and shit like everyone else has got. So mm-hmm. could go. Casca Reeves has a cool thing. She like knifes one. Uh, obviously, oh, Kaz Vizzle's got his big ass Gatling gun. Wait, that's that comes in handy later at the end yeah, of the episode yeah. here. And they send him on the run, and they're like, "All right, chase him down, come on!" Which, I, even at the time, I was like, "This feels suspect. This is a trap." Yeah, because like you, you're maybe allowing yourself to be led here, Bo-Katan. Um, and they are. So they get deeper into the heart of this, and then they stumble upon stuff where like this isn't even. What is this? This feels more built up. Um, and it's because they find their way all the way to a uh, an imperial installation. Yeah, the one that Moff Gideon was in before we see that it's actually uh, it was built into Mandalore. That's the reveal. Which I remember this being a theory like back in season two kind of times. People were like, is his base on Mandalore? Is that his whole thing? And then people yeah. even were speculating that Thrawn maybe was also operating out of Mandalore. And that's how it would all tie it together. Um, but yeah, he is, which I think makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, whether or not I guess he was beforehand isn't really obvious, but as of right now, this is where he's all set up. Just cool. yeah, it's he's got a bunch of tie inter tie not tie fighters interceptors. Interceptors. Yeah, yeah. interceptors and some bombers we see. Which this is um, clearly where they launched out of when they fucked up Bo Katan's place earlier in the season, which kind of makes sense because that's the episode in that episode they left from Mandalore, right? Yeah, to, after causing a big co- commotion to get to her her place, so they probably just followed her right from there, which sucks. Oh, yeah, they're like, "Oh shit, this lady's here. Let's follow her back." <laughs> um, we didn't really mention it, but the mandal or the armor takes off before they get here with some some of the wounded guys to to take him back to yeah. the fleet. What do you think of that? I, I thought what was gonna happen is the fleet was gonna get be destroyed when she got up there, but mm, not, quite. not quite. They mentioned the fact they reestablished. Well, you can't communicate from the planet to space and vice versa because of the storms. So if you're on the planet, you're no no one can help you. Mm-hmm. What do you think of so, that? Do you find that to be at all suspicious? I did find that a little suspicious. That she like, what she you, leaves right before the bad stuff happens. Hmm. And she she wants to bring them all together. And she wants the dark saber. To be fair, to watch Axe Wolves also leaves right before it really pops off. So who knows, Jack? That's true. Hmm. That is true. It's it's tough to know. It's tough to know. But uh Din gets separated from the group. He goes a little crazy for a minute there. He's got his flamethrower and shit, but he can't take them all. Oh yeah. And they uh Mm-mm. tie his ass up and they got him. They get him. They really get him. And uh oh, yeah. Moff Gideon shows up. And he's like Darth Maul ass helmet. Yeah, he's got uh what he's calling the is like a new iteration of the Dark Trooper armor. But it's really just kind of a mix between that and yeah mandalorian armor right it's got the mm-hmm. motifs going on he's got the t-visor and the he's got the horns which someone else also has horns that we know of course and uh he's like hey it's me i'm sick uh i've made this all better by putting myself inside <laughs> yeah, isn't it sick i kind of like darth vader what do you think which is kind of interesting because last season um pershing literally says that 
the the newest versions of the dark troopers are the best ones yet because they've removed the human element (laughs) (laughs) the thing he directly says so then to have this dude roll up and be like i put myself back inside i've made them better (laughs) (laughs) i've fixed them don't you know it's kind of funny just because it's clearly like his his arrogance at all right yeah um but he's like he talks about how like hey you guys got some things right but nah nah i'm not really about to screw you guys you know i'm gonna do better um and he says he's gonna take the the best stuff from the jedi the mandalorians and did you say the kaminoans too i think uh i i don't think you said maybe he said the kaminoans i do remember him saying the jedi and the mandalorians but i don't remember he said the kaminoans yeah, let's see if i can find it here he says, you see, each every society has something to offer. The cloners, the Jedi, even the Mandalorian. So he says cloners, not Kaminoans, but I feel like that's what's implied, right? Yeah, that's it's about the same. All right, so he says, you they each had their own things, and I'm going to put them all together and make the best army to conquer the galaxy with. Which kind of, I mean, that tracks with everything we've known about him from the, the show thus far, right? Like he's been working on some kind of weird cloning thing. Oh, yeah. He seems interested in midichlorians and stuff and probably the force uh which is why he's got you know fixation on grogu right and uh mm. obviously he's been using best car and stuff so i don't know he's probably going to be trying to make like force sensitive clone like a, like a mandalorian yeah like a force sensitive clone army where they all wear the armor and they just fuck shit up i mean sounds like i don't know i mean we kind of know he won't get very far that's the thing because right? of when this thing takes place, because it's like, well, the first order doesn't have these unstoppable yeah. machines. So how what how much can I really be afraid of this? It's kind of the same with Thrawn, right? It's like mm. we know Thrawn's not going to take it over because he's stopped clearly before they get to the sequel era. But you know, Jack, journey before destination and all that. That's true. Life before death and all that. So uh, the fleet takes his his squadron takes off and and they go to fuck up the Mandalorian fleet. And uh, a bunch more of the, the commandos show up, and he's like, "You guys suck! I'm gonna kill you all. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna finally complete what I started and kill every Mandalorian. It's gonna be dope." And we go finally. To, Been we're gonna do it for a long time. Putting it off. We're gonna take him away, and then they they just drag him off. Our boy Din's gone. <laughs> They're like, "Fuck! They got him." And girls like, "Oh, what the fuck? My dad! They took my dad! Bo-Katan, get him! They took my dad!" But then Bo-Katan's like, uh, "I got a lightsaber, bro. I can cut holes in this." Um, and so then he's like, get him, get him, <laughs> get him before they get out. Um, and this is when Paz Vizsla goes real, he goes sicko mode on him, really. Oh, yeah. He starts picking him out of the sky. He's like sharpshooting the shit out of him with his huge Gatling gun. Got his huge ass Gatling gun. He he fights so long and so hard that it, it overheats. Melts. He pulls a classic, like, you, you know, someone's got to stay behind kind of thing. Like, I'll, I'll cover your back. Get out of here. And they're like, Paz, no. And he's like, go. Uh-huh. Tell my son I love him. And yeah, that's the thing. That's even more tragic, right? Because yeah, he's got a son who, who we very much wanted to get back. He's like, oh my god, he got my son back. We know yeah, he's I'll got his son, and then he loves his son because he like because he hated it and then didn't save his son. He was like, actually, these fellows are are sick. They saved my kid. I'm I'm down with these. I'm ride or die. That's the thing, right? He's like, um, you know, we talked about like Paz Vizsla can be quite a dick sometimes, right? But he really has his moments. Yeah. Like earlier this season, well, even even in episode three, like one of the first times we see him, right? When like they're arguing, but then when push comes to shove, he helps Din get away, right? And then in this yeah. season, like they're arguing, but then he's like, you know what, Din, we will follow you to Mandalore. It'll be dope. <laughs> or Navarro, yeah, it'll, be, it'll be sick. 
And now here, I mean, he's got his moves, but he's like, boys, I'll take this one. Get on out of here. There's too many of them. I'll, I'll cover the retreat. And it's like, shit, man. He starts just like fist fighting them, just like beating the ever-loving shit out of oh, them yeah. all. Kicking them off the sides. They follow their deaths. He just like knocks one out and then just he like he like Donkey Kong slams it. Like yeah. <laughs> he's really going wild on him. Um and you're like, oh, I guess he killed them all. Sick. He 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 gets out after all. But no. he doesn't does he? Because who No, unfortunately. Who shows up? The guys in red. The fells in red. Three Praetorian guards that were mentioned earlier get to show up. And uh they're here. This is cool. They're uh, uh you know, distinct from the Praetorian that we see in The Last Jedi, so they're kind of, you know, clearly uh Sort of intermediary, bit of a bit of a progression between these guys and and or I guess like the royal guards from like episode six and then the Praetorian from episode eight. Um, they have a lot of a lot similar with the first order guys, but not quite. So they're clearly they're working towards that, and especially if these guys did come out of the out of the unknown regions, right? From uh, mm-hmm. what's his name? From Hux there in the in their like proto first order thing. It kind of makes sense. But, uh, right, yeah. Yeah, they fuck him up. Yeah. <laughs> he's got his little knife and he's got a shield, but that's not much against these dudes. Oh, yeah. And they're... They take with, with, very, with, like, with very little ease. Yeah, it doesn't. I mean, they just... It's not really fair, is it? Oh, not at all. Not even close. And so they're gone. And then they head out, and this is, uh... This is it. It's where she ends, right? Oh, yeah. She ends up right up here, and, uh... A lo- an interesting way to have the season penultimate episode of the season yeah yeah we got a lot uh it's looking bad basically for our heroes really din's been taken away Tough. um so one of the big things people are theorizing is that din's gonna have his helmet removed next episode by you know oh. forcefully by the gideon or the imperials or whoever which i think makes a lot of sense and it'll be yeah. a good moment f- you know potential you know character growth for him because he'll have to consider again if he really needs to go back or not yeah. Right. Because you know, after last season, he was like, "All right, I'll go to the waters and I'll I won't be an apostate anymore." But it would feel really weird if he just did that one more time, right? Yeah, I'd be like, "All right, why are we doing this over and over and over again?" I think it would be much more interesting if that happens, and now he really has to ask himself, "Is that a thing that he cares that much about?" You mm-hmm. know, especially with bo-katan now and the the new kind of mandalorians that they're building where like that's not as important right there's all these other guys who don't follow it like surely they would welcome him anyways um so i feel like that's there's a strong chance of that that'll be like yeah, yeah for sure what? i'm not overly concerned about falling the way anymore and we'll get some pedro pascal acting finally yeah. true face acting I, I read a thing this week that apparently when they were doing the mandalorian season one they literally asked him to just be a voice actor. They were like, we'll just pay you as a voice actor. It'll be fine. And he's like, no. Apparently because he wanted more money. I don't know. That's, that's what I was reading. And so they're like, all right, we'll put you in one episode. And then in season two, they put him in a couple episodes, right? Now, I think he's in it a little bit more. I think this season in particular, he probably is not in the suit much at all. Yeah. But I do know in the first couple seasons, he, he was in there more than just the episodes that he had to have his helmet off. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like the one where they infiltrate the Right. The Imperial base with Bill Byrne, all that. Like, I know, I think in chapter two, he's in this helmet. He, he's in there because he's like, uh, the one where you, he's fighting the Mudhorn. I feel like I've seen behind the scenes stuff of that. Whatever. Yeah. The point is, uh, he hasn't showed his face yet, so they need to do at least one of them <laughs> this season. So yeah. it's probably going to be in. next episode. So yeah, I think that, I think that would be, that makes a lot of sense and it would be in, in a good point of, of 
yeah, growth for him, development. So the other theory is that like maybe because Gideon's set up on Mandalore, they have to flee and then he can't, he doesn't have access to the living waters. And so he couldn't do it again if he wanted to. And maybe he'll become like outcast for a time or he will go off oh, yeah. again. Cause we've talked about like, there's lots of people who watch the show and are like, I don't care about this larger big picture plot. Right. I just want Dan and Grogu traveling the galaxy, having fun. Oh yeah. It's kicking around. So I could kind of see that, but I don't necessarily agree. I think it's going to be more like, Hey, we're going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to stick with you, Bo-Katan. I'm not going to be worried about these rules as much going forward. Yeah. You got any bold predictions yourself? Um, maybe I I was I was I was wanted to be like Din gets out and fights getting in for the dark saber, but he just did that last season. Bo-Katan still has so it, maybe, right? Oh, right, she still has it. Um, I think hmm, I think the Mandalorians who escape are going to try to get off planet, and either the fleet's going to get destroyed. Or the armor is going to take the fleet and leave, mm. and like abandon them, yeah. or or turn them over to. The, I'll be like, no, we're do- all right. I'll make a do. Like she makes an alliance with Gideon, or their yeah. alliance is There's revealed, a- or something. Yeah, exactly, and that's the theory. So this episode's called the Spies, right? Mm-hmm. And we see one spy, notably, right? That's not a plural. That's not a plural, is it? No. Is there another spy? The armor. I want to. See- what if the armor takes? A- I, you know, it would be really interesting, actually, if when they have Din. Um, the like the armor shows up and then takes off her helmet in front of him, and it's like, and like I didn't install bullshit. I didn't care at all. You, you're a dick. You're a dumbass. I got your ass. I got them all hook, line, and sinker, baby. I don't give a damn about any of this. Like they got him tied up in the interrogation room or whatever, and she just walks in and is like, "Hey, dumbass." That could be because because I'm like I feel like they're gonna show her face. Like it, I I mean maybe, maybe they shouldn't, but like I don't know. They linger on her helmet for like they always like linger on her helmet and you can't see anything. But I'm like. I feel like this is the kind of thing where like, and especially to break him, like to break him out of his religious zealousy, that, that would, that would be what would have to do it is if the person who told him to do all this stuff and called him an apostate just flagrantly disregards the, the rules that she claims to like have power in. Yeah. That I, th- I kind of agree. Like this idea that her treachery is revealed. And so now the whole, because again, like the group itself isn't bad. They, they seem to have the, the right idea. Right. Yeah, they're not like like they don't go around and kill people. Yeah, they're not like we again. We've we've there's been lots of discussion this season about the nature of their group and and how it all works and stuff. And overall, they seem to be mostly good people. But there is something about the the armor, and that's what we said all season. It's like she's so, she's so suspicious. There's something untrustworthy about her. There's a way that they treat they linger on her every time, and, and the way she talks, and and all her scenes are treated with a certain air where you're like, there's something weird here. Mm. And so. Yeah, I think that they're going to get a, the, the easy way to do that is to say, look, she was bad. She had something else going on, whatever that might be. You don't got to listen to all her rules, but you guys can, can still be cool. Like, yeah, we'll be raging dickheads with everything. Yeah, um, I'm still waiting for that Rook cast reveal, personally. Rook cast. She's the one that again? Clone Wars. I've said this so many times. You're killing me, Jack. I gotta she's oh, one, of, she's look- one of Darth Maul's guys with Gar Saxon in them during the Clone Wars. So my theory has been that. Okay. When Bo-Katan kicks her out and beats her ass, she like goes off and hides and is like, I'll start my my own group. Right, okay. I couldn't remember what she looked like, but I just looked at a picture of her. She's got like purple hair and shit, so Yeah. yeah. Armor takes she looked menacing. Well yeah, she's as much as of her with the armor, like they the bunch of those like yeah, lot pictures. Of yeah, this is a popular sort of theory. Um so I got actually I had a list here. Let's see, did we catch them? Who of who might the spy be? 
I just got the armor and axe wolves actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, well, okay, that's a different thing. Um, but yeah, axe wolves, like I said, also kind of splits it right at the exact moment, and you know. It was only like one episode ago that Bo-Katan was beating him up <laughs> to take control back, so it would make sense that he might be a little bitter, right? Yeah, definitely. With the armor in particular, a lot of people are like, why would she ally with the, the Empire, right? Um, you know, this whatever else she is, she might be suspicious and all, but would she team up with them specifically? Because, you know, they destroyed their whole people and everything. Mm. I get that. I also think her thing might be that she doesn't think any of them are Mandalorians and she doesn't care about them. I would also agree with that. She's got her rules, but remains to be seen. Um, another theory I kind of have for next week is that potentially, and I don't think this would be super popular, but I feel like it might happen. Uh, they might kill Bo Katan. Kill Bo Katan? Oh, I could get, we might make Din be the and leader guy again. Yeah, because people have been yeah. talking about like, man, Bo Katan really kind of stole the spotlight this season. We we thought he was going to be built up as the leader and everything, and it just kind of went away. Um, so I feel like there's a non-zero chance that Bo-Katan dies, and she's like, "You, you have to do it after all that." And he's like, "Fuck, okay." <laughs> oh, I do something. No, I don't want to do anything. Let me take my kid and go and live with grief carga. Like I said, I don't necessarily think it'd be very popular. I'm not even necessarily saying I want that to happen, but I feel like it might. Mm-hmm. On the one hand, it would feel kind of cheap to like build Bo-Katan up this whole season, and she's like trying to be better and all, and then just kill her. I also kind of see the angle though that you know. She kind of already lost like twice. So again, are we going to have her lead again? I mean, sometimes that's what it's about, right? Yeah, for sure. You know, you got to get up every time you fall down kind of thing, but I don't know. Uh, the last little thing I wanted to speculate on, basically, um, who's going to help? Jack? Who are the reinforcements? No. The reinfo- oh, because it um, seems like that's what's going to happen, right? Like you talked yeah. about earlier and we, we mentioned the whole like some of them left to find to go somewhere to do something feels like the fleet isn't just going to get destroyed next episode. <laughs> no, no. Someone's going to come in to save them. So I got a couple theories here. One is the Pergil. Okay. I don't think I ever mentioned them, but I meant to. In the very first episode this season, when they're in hyperspace, Grogu's looking at the Pergil. Oh, the big whales? The whales who go through hyperspace. And those are the guys right, who I help do. Ezra at the end of Rebels defeat Thrawn. So, I don't know, maybe they'd show up again, help the boys out. They're all about defeating bad guys. Exactly. Um, other big... Guess could be Boba Fett, right? We haven't seen or heard anything about him this season, but he's still out there, and he's kind of a man. He's kicking. So maybe he would show up to help. I think that would kind of come mm-hmm. out of the field, just because it hasn't been, again, alluded to at all this season, but um, right. could be, right? Uh, another, pr- potentially the most obvious one, is uh, the New Republic, right? We've obviously got a fair bit of them this season, so it would make sense if they showed up. Specifically, uh, what's his name? Carson Teva and the the Rangers of Aldani or whatever they're called. Right, right. Those guys, right? That would be kind of neat. We also have a good mechanism by which we could get them there because Carson Teva knew where they were last time because of R5-D4, who is presumably... Oh, right, now. yeah. So he could just they be see. like, hey, we need some help, man. And then they show up. That'd be cool. Mm-hmm. And then we'd get some full-on like TIE Fighter versus X-Wing action. Oh, that's... Some, I mean, there's nothing more Star Wars. Classic stuff, right? Yeah. Um, sounds fun. I like that. Also, could be like Ahsoka, I guess. <laughs> no, hold on. I don't. I don't know what she would do, but <laughs> I mean, Dave, uh, check. Do we know who wrote Episode Eight? If Dave only wrote it, she's definitely in it. It's probably John Favreau. But oh, thank God. Mandalorian season three episode writer. Okay, John Favreau. All eight. All eight episodes. Few. Well, no, because 
Dave Filoni also wrote episode four and episode seven. Oh. But John episode eight only John Favreau credit. So there you go. Um this is more ground based than up in the space battle, but the Mythosaur could roll up and someone could ride him. Oh, now that'd be cool. I'd like that. Wouldn't that be neat. And he could fuck up the whole base, maybe. And then the last one I have is Thrawn, which doesn't seem intuitive because you'd be like, well, Thrawn's the bad guy. But him, or maybe more specifically like Pelion, would roll up and be like, hey, Gideon, you got a little too big for your britches here, big guy. Yeah, you're trying to take everything over? A little too uppity. We're going to just nip this right in the bud. See ya. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Get ready. Hasta la vista, baby. (laughs) Mm-hmm. So those are that's pretty much everything I got. I'm I'm most inclined to think New Republic, but you know who knows? Get Boba Fett in, get Ahsoka in. I don't care. Yeah, fucking bring them up. Who cares? Bring them all Luke in again. It's Luke, guys. Luke showed up in the. Oh, it's terrible, horrible CGI Luke. <laughs> he saved the day, guys. Yeah, we love seeing him, don't we? Yep. No complaints. All no right. Complaints. It's probably it for this show. We've been yapping for a million billion years. We always do. That's all right. We can actually take out of that, of this, into Dave season two, because we did Dave last last time. Hi, I'm Dave. Uh, D- Dave season two. Hi, we're Dave. Um, so obviously, uh, I'm watching, catching up on Dave. To we'll start season three reviews next week. We'll, episode will be like four. We'll do four episodes at once. So probably half the season, almost at once. Yep. Uh, you wonder why? Why not wait till episode five and do a whole half season? And I say, hey, why don't you shut the hell up, buddy? Huh? Don't tell me how to do my show, huh? Maybe go just watch the show. Just listen to the show, all right? Okay? Okay? Can I just... Can I? Jack, who are you talking to? Doesn't matter. They're, I'm winning. That's all that matters. I'm winning. That you are. You strawman. Don't, don't know how to you fucking... Too good for them. Anyway, Dave season two. Much better than Dave season one, I'll say. Okay, you do. Um, you did think so. Yes, I, was hoping I thought so. it was better. Okay, that's good. I think it's probably um, a little better, but I also like the first season quite a bit, too, so... Yeah. What do we got? The op- I mean, this this is just haphazard, right? So, just whatever yeah. comes to mind, really. Uh, I guess the standard episodes, I would say, there's a couple. There's, there's, they're all pretty good. Um, they all kind of focus on a different part of Dave's life now that he's a little bit bigger, a little more established, and now he's like actually trying to like make his first album. Uh, and that's kind of the the through line of this whole season. It's just that like. Can't, everything is related can't. to his album and every episode just like and this part of his album and then this part um i guess the sound episodes for me like the most would be the first episode in korea it's a good one that's a good one uh kareem abdul jabbar's episode what the fuck is he doing here he's a writer man that's true he's a writer. i mean that's real to life i don't know how they convinced him to do this show but god bless him for doing oh. it i enjoyed it a lot um and then uh, Doja Cat's episode yeah. was interesting. Uh, Dave living my dream and just fumbling the bag every oh, step of the God. way. He really did. He got way too neurotic. He got too big for his she britches. ready to go on a date with him, and he went all weird. Huh? He Senator Walls attacks all of a sudden and just which is, fumbles it. Which is wild to me. Which, I mean, plays into like the theme of the season is that he's very self-centered and selfish. Yeah. But like, she's more famous than he is. More famous. As shown so by the episode. episode. He, yeah, she has way more to do. He's just like meandering about most of the day. She's wall to wall busy. And then when he's like, "Well, I didn't hear from you, and you're not really being respectful of my time." <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's not it's not meant to like play, paint him in a very good light. No. And then uh, I think the I like the final episode. I think that's good too. I think the final episode is uh, great. I like the one yeah. with um, him and Emma and the flashback to them working at the ad agency. Yeah, 
I like that. I think the one with his parents is a really good one. Very good emotional core to that, which again is like something this show excels at. Is it? It's goofy and mm-hmm. funny, but then it's like there's some real moments of genuine uh, emotion to it. I thought that one was at yeah. the end when he was like, "Am I like a bad son? Like I don't know anything about him." And he, is. And he kind of is, but also they're like, "Oh, come on, you know, that's life." I mean, just, just like, yeah, uh, but at least like. I mean, he always learns from it. Uh, That's the thing. I mean, they're all pretty good. Yeah. They've got a good emotional core. Yeah. I did like the Mike episode. Oh, yeah. It just him on his own. Yeah. And it's just like. And the reveal at the end. Huh? Gee. It was his birthday. I was like, oh, that's his tough. Birthday. He's really not a great friend sometimes, is, is what this season comes down to in a lot of ways. Yeah. That's why the finale is nice. Because um, it kind of ties up all that, right? I would say that my favorite part of the whole season is in the finale when. Um, Gata's sister calls him Dave. Yeah, and he's like, and I'm like, oh, that's so interesting. I really like. I didn't put that together because they, his mom calls him Devante. Yeah, but I didn't put together that he could just be called Dave. Sure, because they don't call him that. They only his mother calls him his full name. Right, and then they just call him Gata. I'm like, oh, that that makes sense. And then yeah, it's a great moment. And well, because the title card, yeah, the title card was good. And then when it comes up later, when they both like. They start talking and they both go, sorry. And then they look at each other. Yeah. And they're like, wait, what? Uh, yeah, I like that Gata. I, I, I like that Gata conversation because it's it's one of the good, it's really the peak of the, that kind of writing in like a show or anything where both characters are right in their own way, but they don't want to admit that they're also wrong. Exactly. So it's like, ooh, who, who really wins? Because Dave is right. Gata's kind of going off the rails here. And he's like, you need to stop doing this. I'm. I need to do this important thing. You can't be scamming people and you, you represent me. You can't be scamming people. I pay you. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? But, uh, and then, yeah, Gaze, too, is like, he would like to be his own guy and do his, his work on his own stuff and doesn't feel super supportive of that. And so they, yeah, they very much both have their yeah own point of view there. And that's why the finale, like the very end of it is so cool is that they work it out. Right. Yeah. And the gate is in. I'm like, Oh, that's, that's good. He gets to do it with them. Yeah. Like, um, you know they're gonna. I I did like I like seeing this. I like when the show does the songs and stuff like this, and which is so interesting to me because people. I think I said this last week, right? People get on him for not having done music in a long time, but this show really has a lot of it in there. You know, if you pay attention. Yeah, I wonder if he's, if he's putting his music into the next album. I, the same I was like, I was like, would you like? Would you want to as an artist? But like, you already made the song. Some of these, there's a lot to. Like there's some substantial, and and you'll see in the next season as well, uh, very much so. So it, I, I, yeah, I wonder the same thing. I don't know, because like mm-hmm. in the finale here, there's like a extended sequence where he's doing his show that he's once to put on at the VMAs, right? And it's like a medley mm-hmm. of like, you know, three or four of the fictional songs off his album, and there's very elaborate performances and stuff. It's all kind of like abstract and. <laughs> Yeah, there's an anteater woman helmet who's like yelling and like, he's, not, he's, not, he's like crucified. It's like all interpretive and shit. It's just ridiculous. And then he wants to get surgery live on stage. and It's just insane. So then at the at the very end when it's revealed that it's just them up there singing together. It's like, ah, yeah. Dial it back a little. Yeah. This is what it's really about, right? So it should be. Uh, I liked the little bit of Mike throughout the season. Like how he slowly is like pulling away. Mm-hmm. And like being like, I can't really rely on this guy at all as like a client or as a friend. And like he's constantly meeting with other people and talking to other people in the industry and being like, don't tell, don't tell Dave about any of this. Mm-hmm. Like keep it just to me. I'll work on other. Um, he gets another clients. 
He's like, we're one of the musicians. There's something he needs to tell Dave that he doesn't, they, we don't know what it is. Well, I don't know what it is. I assume is it, if it's, it's said in the third, it will be, if it hasn't yet that, you know, Zach, it I probably will be. At some I think point. it was just that he wasn't going to go on tour with them. Oh, is that it? Okay. I didn't know if it was something like not going to like, not going to be his manager or something. Or no, I think it was that back. he wasn't going to go on tour. Oh, okay. Which I mean, spoiler, I'll just, but he does, he is in the next season. Right. So I think maybe that they're like his, his growth at the end here brings him over, I guess would be the idea. Yeah. We can probably assume that off, like off screen, they like build. Yeah. Better. He seems to be improving. And like you said, like, that's the thing about this character is that most episodes end with him, like learning his lesson a little, and it's not 100%. Right. I mean, nothing like that ever is, but he's working on it, you know, and that's cool. Yeah. He's putting the work in. So, cause I think he pretty much all of he, pretty much all of his friends in this season have pretty valid, uh, like, you know, beef with him to different mm. extents. Right. And like you said, with, with Mike, Gata also has a through line all season long where it's like, he's kind of struggling at points and you're like, Oh yeah. Why isn't, why aren't they, you know, helping him out a little more kind of thing. Yeah. And they're always kind of like putting him down. They're like, get it. Just stop. Mm. Just, can you just stop for a minute? Like it's not helping. But then that, that like, last song they perform is like the lyrics of it are them basically like apologizing to each other. And, you know, working it out, right? Mm-hmm. Basically called We Good. And they're back and forth like, nah, you're good, man. Nah, you're good. It's all right. I'm sorry. I, I yeah. did this wrong, but that's okay. And he's like, you know what? Dude, we're good, man. And then they, they're just doing it. So yeah. Yeah, it's cool. The only one I would say is that didn't really get an, anything like that on screen. Because like he he patches things up with L's, right? Where they kind of mm-hmm. just like, eh, sorry about that. We were both kind of being a bit much. And it, I guess Mike, not really. I mean, he has that scene at the end where he's like, I just want to let you guys know I really do appreciate you. I'm sorry I don't always show it kind of thing. And that seems to be yeah. an impactful kind of moment for them. But he doesn't really get anything like that with Emma, which is kind of interesting. No. She watches the performance at the end and she seems kind of moved by it. Like, oh, look, at he's, he is growing kind of thing. But they never have a face-to-face about it. But No. That, that gets expanded on a little bit in this season, in the next season. So that's good. Okay. Yeah. I did really like, I will say, not to harp on episode 10, but that, that scene where... Uh, day, like get is like I'm like I'm I have to record in this closet at my house, mm-hmm. and you're like in a mansion. I visit you at your mansion. You can't write anything. And then Dave like like he storms out, and Dave's like looking. He's like, oh fuck! Like I'm really. I, I think that probably is the most like the biggest moment for him. Where he's like, oh, I'm really just. I, I'm 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 wrong in a lot. I was right in some ways, but a lot of ways I am kind of in the wrong here. Like going back way further. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's cool. I liked it. I thought it was funny when they get that intern just sent to the military. <laughs> That's not their fault, to be fair. I didn't think. No, he should have known. He should have known better. It's not their fault. I mean, they were being shitty to him, to be fair, but he, like, blames them at the end. Yeah. I did like the reveal that they were, like, he is still just there. Like, later in the season, they're like, yeah, he's got, like, a desk job. It's like, oh, but he can't come home. Oh, Zach, cut out. Can't hear you. I can't hear you, Zach, if you're talking. He is serving it. Yeah. Hello, hello. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. Okay. Okay, yeah, you cut off for a second, then I feel like it caught up all at once. I just unplugged my... Oh, it did? Oh, maybe it was just an internet thing, then? Yeah, yeah. Got it. Perfect. You're all good now. I can hear you. All right. What the fuck was I saying? Uh, He just got the intern in the military. It's just funny. I got sent to the military. Yeah. Uh, the his internal episode I think was good. I think that was a nice. Oh yeah, when he like goes into his mind, I think it was a nice like a unique, more unique way of doing that because they're like you make everything a joke and everything's a joke, and it's kind of just like 
well, what's actually wrong with that? You just like being funny. It's all right to make jokes, but and then it, but it was something else that they were focused. Like you got to stop overanalyzing. Like you can't look at everything from every angle. You just have to do it. Mm-hmm. Like you're not going to get anything done. Um, which I thought was a, a unique way of looking at it. Which I thought was I thought was good. It's it very easy to do that like a cliche kind of thing yeah. and being more serious. I I remember I was going to ask. It's going to be what do, what do you think of the the alley stuff in this season? The way their relationships going. Um. I think it's I think it's interesting. I I like how like Ellie keeps calling up like obviously is the one to like calm out the most. Just like like having sex does not make them friends. Like just because they don't have sex doesn't mean that like that's not what a relationship is. Mm-hmm. It's not just like you have sex with someone who's your friend. Like there's more. And she's like, even without that, you're I'm just kind of your emotional support animal. But I thought was a very poignant way to say that. Um and like I they're like they're like trying, but even then she's like very clear like at least because Dave's definitely the kind of character, at least at this point, um, to like push those if he wants to, because he's very needy. Oh yeah, I like the song. Oh, the right. song's good, yeah. Pretty good. That's that's interesting. Um, there's another. Song. Oh, it's just the song at the end. That's the only song he's actually put out from this um, show onto any anywhere else. Oh really? It's actually like a single or whatever you call it that you can get. We good. So that's cool. That's neat. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't think I don't. Do you think they're gonna like ultimately end up together, or probably not? No, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think so either. But I I don't know. She's in the next season as well. Again, she's gonna show up more. So I don't. Weird how they're gonna do that. I guess they they you know it really could just be that he's gonna actually come to the realization of like yeah no we are just gonna be friends and that's cool. Yeah, for sure. It's like move on. It's like as adults, mm-hmm. everyone has to be together. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, so you're. Glad you're positive on it now, or more so. Yeah. Excited for season three? Get into it? Yeah, I'd say so. I think I think it was just like a continuation of this with like the emotional heart and like some like weird abstract stuff. I think I can definitely get down. I, th- I would say lots of that. First three mm-hmm. episodes at least. Really good so far, I think. Perfect. The second one in particular still is pr- probably one of my favorites of the whole show. I liked it a lot. So Ooh, excited to watch them. Catch up on it this week. All right. Into the other thing, which is Barry. I can tag into Barry season two and three. Season four starts this Sunday. Watch them both. Oh, you, well, right. You watch them both. So we can probably perfect. Blew Double. through them all to get right up to uh, season four here, which is, yeah, it comes out today. So, Barry. Um, I got to say, I think I enjoyed seasons two and three. What'd you say? I, I was going to oh, say, yeah. how do you think seasons two and three together? So, I liked them more than season one, I'll say. Okay. I think they were both funnier and. I like the the comedy was better and the sort of drama of it, which is kind of well, it's what you'd expect out of your dramedy show, isn't it? One would hope. So I think those <laughs> two sides of that coin. I think like the the kind of the, the stakes and the plot and stuff of these seasons were better again, as well as the jokes. I think landed more for me. Um, I still find it hard to love anyone in this show. <laughs> right. Individuals. Uh, I guess specifically like Barry himself is the hardest sell in a lot of ways. Mm. but um yeah i mean overall that's a pretty good show i'm trying to think i definitely had a couple jokes in season two in particular that i liked i liked uh i'm not gonna be able to remember them now. oh there's a, a couple scenes oh no that's season three maybe fuck i don't know there's one point where uh Cousseau calls them children barry tells him about <laughs> his experience in afghanistan and he's like he's like okay barry no i get it and he's like i'm glad you share this to me this is good but you can't tell anyone else do not tell anyone else in the class they will shit themselves. They are literally <laughs> children. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. they are. They're, they're ridiculous. I like, that. Uh, I like the beginning of season two when he's on his like bed. 
comes in his couch. He's like, you know how many times I've thought about kissing the end of that revolver? He's like, you're gonna or putting him like, you're gonna kiss a gun. He's like, get out of my house, Barry. <laughs> get out of my get out of here, man. He's like, oh, okay. Um, I like the episode in season two with the Taekwondo guy. Yes, that's a very very fun episode. Um, the way that all culminates I, and everything. I particularly like when they're in the store. Yeah, and like, he's trying to find. He's like, come on, Brian, don't be an asshole. You're gonna find me right in the store right now. Come on, what do you <laughs> stop it? Stop it. You make come on. Yeah, that's good. Um, I did like how in the second season he was trying to be better. Um, he did his little because at the end of season one he's all like, all right, not anymore, and he tried to do all that, but not very well. Um. Because he still gets, end up, you know, he still gets roped into some of these situations throughout the season. But mostly, he tries to keep it. You know, I don't, I don't know if he kills anyone until the end, right? No, he doesn't. He doesn't kill a single person until the end of season two. He does finale. pretty good. He's like he's training the Chechens to be better, but he doesn't do it. He's like, yeah, he does. He tries not to kill that the Taekwondo guy, but you know, other circumstances happen. Um, so you're like, okay, maybe he really is getting better. But then, obviously, the culmination of it all. He, mm. It's the most crazy we've seen him yet. Like just oh, yeah, completely off the deep end. Um, at the finale there, right? He murders so many people so easily too. Yeah, he just goes crazy. And I feel like that's the interesting thing about Barry. Um, as like a character is like, at, at first at least, I'm kind of inclined to believe him when he says like, "Oh, it's just you know, these are all kind of circumstances beyond my control, right? Like I didn't choose this stuff, kind of thing. Like you know." It's just the only life I've known, and and Fuchs pushed me into it, and this and that. But by the end of the second season, and definitely with the third season, you realize like there is something inherently wrong with him. Yeah, that these well, he's happening. At least, or at least something became wrong with him, and it hasn't. Sure, it hasn't had a chance to be fixed. Sure, and I think he deserves a little more responsibility for this stuff than he wants to give himself. He's very inclined to play it all off and basically be like, "Well, if I want to get better." that's kind of the only thing that matters is I want to be a better person. Um, but then he's like, he's all these contradictions, right? Like, right. like where he, he was like, Oh, well I'm not, am I a bad person? I'm not really a bad person. just cause I did some bad things, but then he's always talking about how he wants to be better. And so it's like, is that not kind of an admission that what you were doing before was bad? Right. Yeah. So like, which one is it? And, and even in season two, um, he doesn't do it, but he almost kills like her, uh, Sally's, um, ex-husband there. Right. Yeah, and that's like I don't know. That's pretty obvious. Like that wasn't anyone paying him or forcing him or coercing him in any yeah. way. That was just his first reaction to that situation was be like, I guess I'll murder this man. Mm-hmm. That's pretty bad. Like, and and even like, and, and not to excuse what he said, like what what he tried to do and stuff. And it's interesting because right after he does that, and he like doesn't end up killing her because Sally's killing because Sally's there. He like freaks out in his car because mm-hmm. he's like he's kind of losing it. Like he can tell that he's he's losing his grip and he almost can't deny it anymore. Yeah. Like he can't play the victim. Like you just said, like, cause no, the Chechens didn't make him kill her husband. Nobody's forcing him to do anything. He hunted, like went new exactly where he's going to be. was going to pop him and be gone. Mm-hmm. So it's like, Ooh, he's like, I'm falling apart here. And then he completely falls apart yeah. at the beginning of season three and becomes unhinged. Yeah. This is like the Barry that they kind of, I think Fuchs alludes to like before, like mm-hmm. he, he got him to do the, the hitman stuff where he's like the old Barry where he's like depressed and violent and kind of manic. I think the, the opening scene to the, <laughs> this season is like, I think wraps that all up pretty well. Um, yeah. <clears throat> it's the, the episode's called forgiving Jerry or something. Forgiving Jeff. Jeff. Yeah. Yeah. And he, and it opens with him. He's in the, like a, they're in the desert and he's like, 
clearly doing a hit where they're like killing a guy or torturing or whatever. And then the, they've they've made this guy dig his own grave before he's going to shoot him and throw him in. And then the, the client who's hired him to do this is like, actually, I've forgiven him. I've decided to forgive him. We're gonna, we're gonna go. For, we're just gonna, you know, he he apologized, and I really do forgive him. We're gonna go forward here. She's she's no, my wife's no saint either. You know, there's a lot of history. And Barry's like, what? And he's like, I forgive him. We're just we're not gonna go through with it. And then he just kills them both. And he's like, you can't forgive Jeff. There's no forgiving Jeff. Jeff. But it's just like that was that's an upsetting scene. Just right off the bat, I'm like, oh god. Oh yeah. He just like those guys were like, and and he well, talks about this with the private hits. Is like they're not on the same level, right? Yeah. Because when he's doing the mob ones, there's a level of like, okay, well, I'm killing other mobsters or I'm doing this or whatever. But when it's just like, yeah. hey, can you kill my husband because he cheated on me? That's like way more murky. <laughs> Not even yeah. murky. I mean, that's just bad. You can't murder people for stuff like that. Yeah, don't do not do that. That's a bad thing to do to someone. And like, and even and there's like, so, and he treats so like cavalier, like the way he treats it. Mm-hmm. Cause like, there's a point where he like is buying flowers for Sally. But then he's just like kind of just on the phone mm-hmm. with, with someone. He's like, hey, what what flowers should I get for my girlfriend? And the woman's like, what? She's like, what? Yeah, I, I don't know what flowers. She's like, I'm asking you to kill my husband. <laughs> he's like, okay, yeah, sure, whatever. What? Do you, all right, I'll do it. But I want to answer me this question. He's just so disconnected sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Again, it's, at, some, at points, it seems like the reality of it all sets in. And then at points, he's just kind of like, it's like he doesn't even realize, right? in a weird way mm-hmm. where yeah he's just like oh i don't know you know i'm just like um in season three when he's talking to sally and, and she's like upset and he's like well i could just fuck with you the director or whatever she is he's like you know go to her house change little things and you know just make her think she's going crazy and i'll do this and that and, and all this and sally's like what he's like oh you know just you know little things i wouldn't hurt her but if she would you know it, her mind would would dissolve slowly over time. Yeah, whatever. You just plant the seed in the minor, and he's like so cavalier. Yeah, he's like now most of it I learned in the military, but you know, you can find YouTube videos about it too. <laughs> I think he's like oh, on some subreddits. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and then she's just like, "Get out! You're insane!" Like, so sometimes he's aware, and then sometimes he's just kind of like, "Yeah, whatever. It's what I do. It's it's how it is." Um, all the other characters. Speaking of, like Cuso, I think gets more interesting in these seasons too. Yes. Um, I like in season two, we, we explore this thing with his um, son and his relationship with Barry. And then in a season three, he learns the truth that Barry did kill um, Moss and that becomes a whole thing. But then Barry's like, I know I'll make it up to you. I'll get you, uh, I'll f- get your career back on track. And it kind of works. Yeah. And then you, we get to a point where uh, he, he actually doesn't want Barry to come to justice because he is being successful again. And that's more important to him because well, he really is kind of like a weird narcissist like the rest of them. Mm-hmm. So it gets to the point by the end where he's like, no, actually, I don't want to mess with this thing I've got. So I don't care that my girlfriend, who was supposedly the love of my life, was murdered. And I'm less concerned about getting justice for her than I am about keeping this this thing going. Yeah, because she's already dead, but I can still yeah. salvage my life. You know, he's buying like a big house with Barry's blood money and shit. I mean, yeah, it was a. A very like I think the most intense scene of this season would probably be when Kusno like is running away from because Barry's like got him in the trunk and is like I'm gonna stick it and he's like going all manic. It's like I'm gonna fix everything. I, I gotta do this. And then Kusno escapes and he like escapes them and like is running and running. And he finally makes it home. He's like we gotta leave. We gotta live right now. And he turns the corner and Barry's there waiting for him. Mm-hmm. And he's like if you don't do what I tell you. I'm going to kill your son and your grandson. And I only, and like, you just get, but like, it's so, it's such a strange situation because what 
he wants Mr. Kusun, uh, Gene Kusun to do is to let Barry help him. Yeah. It's such a strange, like, and which ties into how, like, unstable he is. Is like, he's like, I need to help you. And if I can't help you, I will kill your family. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's like, okay, man, just leave him alone, please. He's, yeah, he's fucked up, man. Yeah. It's a bad guy. He's a bad he's person. He's a bad guy. That's what, that's a conclusion i've come to i understand that there's like a main character effect with this show where you know there's lots of shows and movies and things like this where you're like you can you can sort of understand objectively that the main character isn't a good person but you want them to get away with it anyways right and this show has a little bit of that going on but the more the deeper we get into it the less of that i feel (laughs) where i get to a point where i really do just kind of want barry to to get in trouble for it because yeah I do think he's not great. <laughs> like, I think he's a bad guy. So it's probably for the best that they uh, put him away. Really, mm-hmm. like, um, yeah. I guess especially by the very end of this season three here, when he's just he decides to try to kill Moss's dad because he's catching on to him. It's like, yeah, again, this is another example of like he's killing people as his first resort, basically, like to get mm-hmm. out of problems. Yeah. And that's not that isn't someone who really wants to get better. And and even just in general, the whole point of the show where he's like, well, I want to do better now, so I shouldn't have to face any consequences. That whole premise, I think, is kind of flawed. Yeah. Also, he's, he's like, I should be absolved of everything. Yeah. Once, once, I, once I decide I'm done, it's done. And it never happens. And it's not even really my fault. And it wasn't up to me. So why should I have to deal with it? And it's like, that's not really fair either. Like, if he was genuine about that, he probably should have turned himself in from the get-go. But that's not what he wants. He wants his cake and to eat it too, right? Oh, absolutely. I'm going to leave this life and I'm going to do whatever I want and it's going to be cool. It's like, eh, maybe not. Like, that's probably not genuine, you know, redemption. And uh, it hasn't been. I mean, it doesn't work out for him, right? Because again, he just can't stop actually killing. So he just, oh boy, here he goes killing again. I mean, even there's like several steps, right? When when Moss got him, he could have just been like, all right, you got me. I guess I got to go away and, and we'll, we'll go from there. But no, it just, he doesn't want to actually face the consequences for his actions because he doesn't think he should. But I feel like he really should. He, he doesn't have oh, absolutely a should. degree of separation that he'd like to imagine. Uh, Sally in these seasons also gets more depth to her for sure. She's harder to like get my head around at times because she also, I mean, which is like Barry, I guess, is that she she can progress and regress pretty consistently. Mm -hmm. Once you're like, okay, I understand her better, but then she just does weird things too, which are just kind of (laughs) shitty. And and not that her things are on the same level as Barry being an actual murderer, but still, as a character, it's hard to like fully love her at times. Right. Yeah. I understand definitely that she wouldn't like Barry or want to be in a relationship with him after a certain point. Um, Like he has that moment in season three where he like goes crazy on her because he's all manic and having one of his moments basically. And for her, it's very real because of her uh, relationship with her her ex-husband there. And like, I understand why that would give you pause if not just shut the whole thing down, which is what she ends up doing. Um. But then, like, she's got some moments where she's very concerned. Again, she's also kind of a narcissist and, like, really wrapped up in her own thing. And, and her success is more important to her than almost anything. Um, she has that moment where she's... All season two, she's like, oh, I'm going to be truthful about this play. It's going to be this genuine moment. And then at the end, she's unable to do that. And she just does a version of it where she makes herself look good. And, like, this hero that she wasn't really. Yeah. Right, she pulls the rug out from under him, and then that's when he goes on his rampage right after that. And in season three, uh, she's got this show, and it doesn't do well. It ends up getting canceled, and then she gets all crazy with Natalie, 
at the end there. And the, and then she's like, actually, Barry, you should do that thing where you make her go crazy. Just do it to this person I don't like. And it's like, that's not that's not cool. <laughs> yeah, that's it's very bad. Um, who else is worth a mention? Oh, what's his name? Uh, Fuchs. He's probably the least yeah, redeemable he, character. <laughs> oh, he's the fucking worst guy ever. Um, so he's so they the Chechens uh, who are just four guys now who run a plant shop with the heroin run by Hank. Um, they make him into they take they send um Fuchs to Chechnya and make him a patsy. So uh, Hank makes up this whole story about he how he's the Raven. He's a Chechen assassin to kind of take it off that like take all the heat off them and off Barry and stuff. And uh, while he's in Chechnya, like he he calls Bear. Oh, like oh, Hank's like, oh, come back, Barry's cool with you. You can come back. He's like, I don't want. I actually, I'm good. And then he calls Barry, and oh, Barry's I like, love I don't with care. This beautiful, yeah, Chechen woman, and they they're raised in the countryside, and, and and they have a nice, simple country life. But then for whatever reason, he decides to call Barry. Right? Yeah. And Barry, I saw apathetic. He's like, I don't give a shit. What you call me? Don't call me. I I hate you. I'm, don't ruin my life. And he's like, that ungrateful son of a bitch. He won't even accept my apology. Ugh. And uh, he's just like, oh, I hate him. And then his girlfriend in Chechnya is just like, let me tell you this fable. And he's not paying attention. And again, <laughs> just like, I've been to a cousin of yours. And she's like, it's a 16th century fable. He goes, oh, okay. And he goes back to America and he starts up being, um, well, I guess we're, I guess we're getting a little set up at the end of season two to ruin Barry's life. Uh, Fuchs sets up, beca- pretends to be a private investigator with Cousineau to find Janice Moss because he went out there and found her body and then takes Cousineau to there to ruin his life and tells him that Barry did it and then frames Cousineau for the murder by calling him on, call, using his phone to call the police and it, pretending to be him. Mm-hmm. Um, so Barry's mad about that. He's trying to which kill is, Fuchs the whole time. Which he does because he's jealous of Cousineau and Barry's relationship. Yeah, because he wants that with Barry. Wants that kind of respect from the fatherly love that he has like, for Kusuno. I don't know what it is. He's so he's like almost hard to even understand. <laughs> he's just such an asshole because yeah. he wants, but he also doesn't even like Barry that much. It seems it's not even that he wants a genuine relationship with Barry because when they were working together, they didn't have that. He really just yeah. wants control, I think, and like yeah, he just wants to control Barry and use him to like get make money for him. I guess so. But there is moments where it seems like he has genuine affection for Barry, but he's very bad at showing that to him. And most, oh yeah, most of their interaction just devolved to him wanting something from him. There is no like genuine emotion there, so it's it's hard to pin down. He's he's just a real shithead, especially because yeah, when Barry is successful every time, he takes that personally and wants to mm. derail it just because he doesn't like the idea that Barry's successful without him. So, oh interesting. yeah, their dynamic is interesting because there is some genuine like love there. It seems, but also not enough to get passed through all the. Other horrible shit going on. Oh yeah, just tons of horrible shit. Uh, and then so then he when he leaves for Chechnya, like I said, go back. He comes back to America, and then he starts up his private investigator thing again. And then he goes to all because obviously he would know all the hits. He tracks on all the family members of the people that Barry has killed, and he's like, I know who did it. It's this guy. This is where he lives. Go get him. We kind of have a hodgepodge, like a fucking rogues gallery of people who Barry has screwed over, like trying to kill him, but they're all so bad at it. That they just can't succeed. The people who get the clothes are the bikers, yeah, because they're actual like bad people. But like, there's like a mom and her son, and they're just bad at it. They just because they're normal people, they're not crazy and like unwell. She accidentally uh, shoots. Yeah, and he's like, oh my god! And then she they drive off, and Barry's like, what the hell's going on? 
Um, so that was interesting. Uh, the biker scene is, I like the biker sequence and they're like driving around through on the motorcycle. It's pretty good. Pretty good action. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I like when he hits the guy and he just goes through the window. <laughs> then he just takes the bike and just, it's again, yeah. he's, oh, he's insane. Cause he's going yeah, to dinner good. with his, with the Ryan. Is it Ryan? Chris. Chris, the guy he killed his, his old war buddy who he kills in season one. He's going to dinner with his wife and he's like, Oh, this, and he's just, he gets, yeah, he's, he's accosted by these bikers and he's crashing his car and shit, but he's like, Oh, I'll just get on this bike and I'll just go to dinner anyways. But then yeah. she's and trying it, to kill him. It's under the guise of being like a reunion. Cause they set up pretty well. Cause they have like his old war buddy, Albert, who he saves come back into play as an FBI agent. Um, and then he meets up with Chris's wife and Chris's wife has the idea to like trick Barry. He tries to kill him. It doesn't work. He lives somehow. Um, which I didn't. I was like, "Can you just li- can you just walk that off?" I guess it really depends on what she was using, yeah. how much of it. Like, I mean, I don't know. He, we have no way of even knowing what it was, right? Yeah, Bill Hader is a pretty tall guy. Like he's a big guy, and he did have to go to the hospital. Yeah. So he survived just long enough. Yeah, that's true. Oh, because yeah, that's, there's so many of them. Because then the guy yeah. Ryan Madison, yeah, his his father in season one, which that one, to be fair, Barry literally didn't even do. Yeah. Uh his dad's there, but then he can't go through with it and he kills himself and takes Barry to the hospital. He forgot there's so many of them. There's all, yeah, oh, yeah. it really is a real rogues gallery. <laughs> the ultimate one who's the most successful is, um, yeah, Moss's dad, right? Who was a nom vet who was a POW like, and convinced his interrog- his like prisoner to capture to kill himself. That's one of the funnier scenes is when he tells yeah. that and Hughes gets hung up on it and he just keeps going on about his life and then, like, yeah, then I did this and then I did that. And the whole time, Hughes like, you. You convinced him to kill himself? <laughs> like, was he was he already like depressed? Did you did you see the signs? Did you catch him on a bad day? Did you catch him on a bad day. I mean, I, oh, I guess he was. Well, he was a guard at a prison camp in the jungle in Vietnam, so he's probably already not in a great place. But Jesus, <laughs> I think I think he goes on. He's like, you know, my cousin. You know, having my cousin. You know, I, he made pancakes for me. I said, you know, Terry, these pancakes just aren't worth it. He went out, hung himself in <laughs> a tree. You know, it's pretty crazy. And then he's like, well, where are we? <laughs> And he's just taking Fuchs to the, yeah, the jail or the police station. Police station. Uh, but yeah, pretty much everyone's the worst. I did like the scene with Albert when, when he catches on because Albert is the only competent one. Like one of the through lines throughout the show is that the LAPD are bafflingly incompetent. Comments. Just stupid. <laughs> so stupid. And uh, like this parts where like the part where the chief's like, no matter how many people tell us it's Barry, we're not going to believe him. <laughs> It's so funny to us because it is Barry, but yeah. there's lots of moments like that where they're just ridiculous. And uh, Albert's the only competent one. He's like, well, he's catching up on all the relatively obvious things that are happening here. And he realizes, yeah. like, oh, it's Barry. That was a funny line yeah. where someone was like, where's Albert? And he's like, oh, yeah, after he loaded and cocked his gun in front of us. <laughs> he's like, yeah, we haven't seen him since he loaded and cocked his gun in front of us and then stormed out. So, yeah, he's probably just seeing the sights. <laughs> Yeah, it could be anywhere. And they're like making the like, ooh, what's this thing for the Raven? Oh, I love this one. They oh, spend yeah. all this like, time. They're like, they have a whole meeting about all the different, the potential logos for their Raven task force. Yeah. But so then uh, and I, he managed to track Barry down, right? When he's disposing of a body and they have a pretty tense confrontation. Yeah. And like Barry can't even speak. Barry doesn't speak. Yeah, he's, he's, he's literally just like, he's a puddle of a man. He's just, just like screaming and like crying he's yeah. like barry why are you do like you have to stop this has to end i was surprised you're by not evil. yeah i was surprised by how that went he was like listen barry i don't think this is really you 
He's like, you saved my life in the war, which I don't know that he did, to be honest, but yeah, he didn't get shot in the face. And then like a medic comes and takes care of it. Barry just runs into a room and murders an innocent man. So oh, how I, don't much know, did he... I don't even know how fatal that wound would have been. Right. Like, but whatever. Yeah. He's like, you saved my life in the war, Barry. So I'm not going to kill you or anything. You're bringing you in, but you got to stop Barry. And that's just it. And I was like, oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, it was it was crazy. I thought that was interesting because uh, that was one of the least bad kills of the whole season. Really, the whole show, which was well, he didn't even kill that well, person. That's, it that's was the thing, right? The yeah. biker guy breaks into his house and is ready to murder him, and he starts beating up Sally and shit. And then she gets the upper hand and ends up killing him. And he's got to dispose of that guy. And that's that's a pretty justified one, all things considered. But, uh, oh yeah, and it was really gross when he gets stabbed in the eye. And he's oh like, yeah, oh, what's oh no, he gets like, stabbed like, in like the back of the, the neck back of the head like and it goes, goes to, it's like through his eye and it's like yeah he can't see right and it's all fuck yeah that was it's gross like, god you poked me in the eye what the hell but he's not like dead can't like feel it right yeah it's gross it's pretty fucked and she just beats yeah. him to death with a baseball bat that was an interesting scene because they're in the booth they're in the recording yeah. and when the door closes it goes silent that was cool i really liked um the scene where because all the other scenes where fuke is fuke is being interrogated by the incompetent lapd he's very cavalier and like goofy but when Albert comes in, like turns the cameras off and stuff, he just tells him like, everything. He can, yeah, he's like, "All right, I'll tell you exactly what you want to know because I know you understand. Like you, I can tell you, and you'll understand. Like I, I got him. You know how Barry is. Like you know Barry, and I took that what the fucking unfeeling machine that he was and made him a killer and made a shit ton of money. Like mask, oh, just completely mask off about it. I liked how he also Fuchs also had that part where he was left for dead in the desert and the nice uh, Mexican family takes him in. Yes. And then once again, he's like living a peaceful life on the goat farm and the daughter's in love with him and he just can't. <laughs> and he's just like, that thing with Barry. And he's like, ah, and he steals the truck. It's just like, he's, he's crazy. He really can't just like let it go. Let it go. <laughs> uh, but then the culmination of it all is that they get Barry at the end. He yeah. seems uh, to and- walk into their trap. Cusino and Gene make the uh, like uh, pitch the trap, and Barry takes a hook, line, and sinker. Mm-hmm. It's a very, it's a very. Um, I heard um what Bill Hader talking about the finale of season three. I'm like, and how like originally Cusino wasn't going to be there, but then they decided to like if we have a scene where like Barry walks out and he has to, and Cusino's just staring at him to like show like I betrayed you, like I don't want you around, and I got rid of you to save my skin. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't actually like you that much. I mean, no matter what you've done, I don't think he does. Well, of course not. I don't think I wouldn't either. He's a, he's a very dangerous no. man. But I don't know so if at any point, point, even before all that, like he learned. Oh yeah, about that, mm-hmm, for sure. One of the most intimate moments they have is when he tells him about the stuff that happens in Afghanistan, and he's like, "Barry, that's you know, I'm glad you told me and all, and you, you're not a bad person. You, you did a horrible thing, but I think you can, you can grow here." You know, that's, that's, that's what humans are. You know, you think you're just deeply human. And then even at the end of that scene, he's like, all right, so I'm going to go get my checkbook and, uh, <laughs> or whatever it is. Yeah. I'm going to go get my ledger. Cause my private class is actually our, uh, different, different pay scheme <laughs> or something. And it's just yeah. like, oh, so he's just getting money out of this too. Huh? Like no matter what, again, they're all kind of pieces of shit. They're all actors. I don't know if there's a single character in the show. who's just like a good guy. <laughs> the, uh, the baguette guy. Oh, the, the guy at the store they go to, yeah, who who keeps giving everybody good advice, good advice, good sagely wisdom. That's actually that guy's yeah. all right. Yeah, it's a good point, guy. Yeah, he's chill. Good point, Jay. Um, Hank goes to Chile. Oh yeah, to save forget that was Hector. the other one. That's I was looking for before. They have a fun little subplot across these two seasons where he's in love with the uh, Bolivian Bosnian, 
Bolivian. The Bolivian Bolivian leader. His name is Cristobal. And then they get a, the Burmese crime family kind of comes in and puts a wedge, but then Barry kills them all. So then that's cool. Well, he kills most of them really. So then him and Cristobal are just living simply just having a good time. And then, uh, the Bolivians show up and they're like, what are you doing? What is this? And like the, the leader is kind of suspicious and he's like, I don't know about all this. And you're married to my daughter. Oh, surprise. Cristobal has got a wife and kids. Oh, and a whole family that he left. And they get to bomb all the Bolivians. That works out pretty good. They have a fun. That's a funny. That's a, a darkly humorous scene. Oh, it's yeah. like on the bomb tech support. <laughs> yeah, that is good. And then they finally figure it out, and then it just goes off. And she's like, "All right, it sounds like uh, we fixed your problem." So, <laughs> anything else? Have a good day. Good day. <laughs> and then, yeah, he gets taken back to Bolivia. So Chris or uh, Hank follows him there, and then eventually gets out and saves Cristobal from his wife doing. Uh, electroshock therapy yeah. to him, which is no good. That was pretty dark. Was was like, oh, God. Show. oh, it really was. Or when I, though, also just as dark, or maybe a little less dark, but almost around when uh, Hank's in hearing his buddies get ripped up by that like tiger yeah, panther monster. There. I thought it'd be revealed that was like a, he was imagining that in some way, but there's nothing that really suggests that. So, no, oh, yeah. And he kills it. He, whatever it is, he kills it with a gun. Yeah, I guess so. But uh, yeah, overall. Definitely a decent show to watch. It's 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 kind of a downer at times. Um, oh yeah, I don't know why this bring it down. Go. Barry's in prison now. Uh, probably Fuchs as well. Yeah, I think Fuchs and Barry are both in the same prison. Um, I don't know. So Cousino and Sally are going to be on the outside. I guess Hank as well. I don't know what he's going to be up to, but yeah. Um, I don't know, man. I don't think like it's weird because it's not the type of show where I would see Barry like getting out of prison kind of thing. Maybe it is though. I don't know. Like I kind of see it as a show where he gets at the end he dies. It could be too, right? Like he's not a great guy, and I don't know what kind of redemption he really deserves. Grand scheme of things. So yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, it definitely it's compelling though. It compels me, Jack. It's it compels me though. Ugh. Compels me though. But I don't. I mean, like Sally went back to Missouri at the end. That's kind of nice. Maybe she should just stay. She, aban- she kind of just abandons him. I don't know if that's. Yeah, not really abandoned. He but deserves like, to be abandoned, probably. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, it's kind of. I mean, I'm sure she's in the next season, right? But it. I almost took that as her yeah, like sure. giving up the whole thing. I'm like, maybe I don't need to be a Hollywood actor person anymore. Just gonna go back. <laughs> um, and then, I don't know. I'm curious to see how Cousineau reacts. Like, if how his career actually goes. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Because a big component of that was that his uh his his sort of comeback was all predicated on the idea that like oh he helped out this vet, and now if the reveal is that, <laughs> that guy was a serial murderer, uh, I don't know how that's gonna work for him. But I heard him. Yeah, I, guess we'll I did like I did like how Kusino was trying to make amends with everyone. Yeah, like he kind of got it like through being scared under the threat of murder of him and his family he was like maybe i'll be a good person and try to apologize truly humbly interesting thing about that though is like is it real or not because he gets called out at one point by for being like you're just doing this to make yourself feel better more so than anyone else and i don't know if that's wrong i still don't know like how you deal with that though like as like a uh sort of moral question right like yeah it's like like philosophically like yeah that's kind of life in a lot of ways Mm-hmm. I feel like that happens where yeah not every even good things that people do they do for sometimes you know selfish reasons selfish reasons does that make him less good or what you know like when yeah, he does that it, show he he lets 
the person he wronged in the past, his, this old girlfriend of his, be the director and get all the profits and everything. Um, but if he's just doing that to assuage his own conscience, is it is it real? Is it not? I don't know. Yeah. Or is it is he doing it to prove he's like doing it to prove prove her wrong? Right. He's like, well, no, I'm I'm willing to go this far, but you know, and is it? But the end of it is that she gets all these opportunities again. Mm-hmm. She gets all the recognition that she always deserved. But he's also on the way up as well, right? It's not like he yes. he's suffering for it necessarily. He's just not going to make the money from this one thing, and he can still parlay that into other things. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it's interesting. Again, he's, yeah. I don't think he's a really great guy either. So No. But I think, unlike Barry, who was a murderer, I think he is showing that like you can change. Like, he can, like, something can change you. Yes. For the better. So. Um, but I mentioned the season of Janice, I know based on the, I don't know if you've seen the trailer for season four um, at all. I've not. But her, Janice Moss's father was also, is is still in it. So he's going to make, he's going to be probably, or he's returning for the season. I don't obviously don't know in what capacity. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't think I forgot to mention, because we got into Kusano, not looking Barry, um, along with when I mentioned Bill here talking about the finale of season three, um, the part where in Kusano, when all the police leave and Kusano leaves Janice's father, how he just stands outside for an indeterminate amount of time with the picture of Janice in the foreground. Yeah. And Bill here talks about how he's like, now he's all like Jim, he won, but he's all alone. Like he won, but like, what does it matter? He doesn't want to go back into his own home because it's empty. Yeah. No one's going to like, everyone's gone. So it's, it's just a very, like, like a bittersweet win. I think I did think his character was interesting and kind of funny the way he, yeah, he has this like training. That's so effective. He borders on comical all times because I don't know why people kept doing what he said. Yeah, I thought I was like, why would you go to his house? I guess when like don't go to his house, right? Yeah, but maybe he's maybe he like that's what he relies on because right. they're like, oh, if I don't do it, he'll 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 do something. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, that's clearly the, how it's portrayed. But when he yeah, yeah he calls Gus and he's like, you free? And he's like, Gus and like, oh no, I'm actually really busy. And he's like, how about you come over right now though? And he's like, oh okay, I guess I will. I was just like, wait, why? Why would you do that? Yeah, it's 17 minutes. So, uh, and then Barry does the same thing where he's like going to come over. And it's like, you could have just ignored him. Yeah. I don't know. There you go, though. Pretty good show, I guess, Jack. See, I got a winner. Made up for Renfield. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. You can't win them all, can you? No, I can't. I'll try. I'll. God damn it, I'll try. All right. Um. So, well, yeah, we'll have the first episode of that next week. Oh, yeah, we'll we'll have... Big old Mando finale. That's the big one, huh? Oh, yeah, we're going to go for ooh, probably 10 hours. We might have to record in two sessions, really, just to fit it all yeah. in. We'll finally see oh, yeah. like, the, the Fang Fighter versus TIE Interceptor Lego set realized on the on the big screen as, as it was intended. <laughs> I can't. As George Lucas knew all those years ago, <laughs> those Lego leaks will get you, Jack. Oh, God damn no man's safe from the Lego leaks. God damn it's the ruiner of, of twists is the Lego leak. So funny. I've watched someone on YouTube who already has acquired one of the sets and really? built it and reviewed it and everything. This is a set from a scene that has not yet even happened. Lego has <laughs> not officially revealed it because the scene it's from hasn't even occurred on screen yet. It's just, there's many layers to it. It's great. Oh my God. There's nothing too yeah. interesting, like spoilery in the set though. It's just a fang fighter on a tie interceptor. It's not like the death of Bo-Katan. No, it's not like, yeah, it doesn't have like Moff Gideon in his new armor yet. So that didn't get spoiled for us. It's just got, a Mando pilot guy and a TIE fighter pilot guy and uh, a DIN and uh, like an Imperial astromech droid. That's it. No fun new jet troopers or anything. So boo. Boo. Sorry, that seems like a winner of a set from a winner of a scene. 
Perfect. Is that about it, Jack? I think so. I think we probably wrap it up. So I'll wrap it up right about here. I can take it to the end. So always thank you so much for listening. You can always find us on Twitter at Architect Jazz. It's J-A-Z, Architect Jazz at gmail.com or the Architect Podcast on Instagram. Listen to us wherever you listen to your podcast, where you're listening to this right now, I assume. Our as always, our logo was done by friend of the show, Jeffrey Gonzalez. Uh, in, uh Instagram, ingotion.jpg, and on, and he's also on Redbubble. Our intro was done by Celery Salt. You can find him on Spotify and SoundCloud with his various musical adventures. And as always, we wrote it, we produced it, we built all the sets. Say good night to the people. Good night. Good night. Godspeed.